Yo, this is Jerry Sylvest, and you're listening to For Those Who Know. This season, we'll talk with artists, musicians, and other creatives, journalists, educators, and anyone else who's contributing to the culture, pushing the needle, and stretching the margins. From one-on-one conversations to roundtable discussions, covering everything from hip-hop to quantum physics. Wait. Wait, okay, no, not actual quantum physics, okay? But if you're unfamiliar with black culture, then it might just sound like it. (laughs) Addressing the world the only way we know how. Talking about it. Everybody has a story to tell. These are just the ones you should know. Let's go. What's going on, y'all? This is Jerry Sylvester. This is uh, officially the second episode of uh, For Those Who Know. Yo, um, welcome back. About to get into it real quick. First, I want to give a brief shout out to my man Jahan Jones sitting down with us on our first episode. That was really dope. Um, thanks for everybody who's listening, sending you know their thoughts. Um, I'm really happy right now for uh, you know this this next episode. I didn't want to go too far without having um, a woman on the show. I think that's you know big deal. Um, and so specifically, not just any woman that we have. I have a firecracker of a woman in the studio with me tonight. She's you know an artist. She's a She's a poet, she's a feminist, she's a lawyer, um, she's many parts, and um, I'm very happy to introduce my friend, Yvka Pierre. Yo, I feel like you're overselling me a little bit. What's up, everybody? Yo. I'm Eve. Um, I'm going to try to make this as awkward as possible for <laughs> all of us, just so everybody could, you know, walk a few miles in my shoes and be as awkward turtle as I am on a normal basis. I want that, though. I want you. You know, and so like I said, you know, I, I talked to you offline about, yo, y'all, y'all got some chill. <laughs> y'all should see what we're dealing with. <laughs> Blame the bruise, man. But yo, you know, for those who know, you know, it's being able to shed a little bit of light on those that I feel like are out here and that, you know, they're pushing the culture, um, they're contributing to the culture, you know, and I think what you do is, uh, is just that. So yeah, you know, so I kind of I want to hop right into it. So here's, here's like the ill thing. I don't know that I've ever personally known any lawyers. All right. So that you, makes two of us. So, <laughs> so you, you, know, you, you may be the first friend that I have, or even person that I know as a lawyer. Because like for me, like my extent of the law, like it starts with like Mr. Smith goes to Washington with Jimmy Stewart, Lena Austin, okay. Atticus Finch to Kill a Mockingbird, Law and Order, mm-hmm. and then my niggas Harvey Specter, Mike Ross, Pearson Specter, lit. Shout out to Suits. Like that's you know what I mean. Like and I'm and I'm, I'm you know. So I'm being <laughs> I am. So before I went to law school, I didn't know many lawyers. Um, any, any by many I mean any. I didn't know any lawyers. And then when I went to law school, I met like a shit ton of lawyers because I lived in D.C. But before then, my extent of my knowledge of the law outside of like criminology classes was like 99 problems, Shazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> It was like listening Can't search to my it. shit. You need you gonna need a warrant for that. Yeah, you know he made a few mistakes on that, but he really got the gist of it. <laughs> um, one of my favorite professors, whose class I never took, his name is Paul Butler, wrote a dope ass book um, called Hip Hop Theory of Justice. Okay. He did an entire academic paper analyzing Fourth Amendment rights mm-hmm. to search and seizure, Fifth Amendment rights to like self incrimination, based upon Ninety Nine Problems. Oh wow. 
She was lit. Yo, that's dope. I mean, is that is that somewhere in? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, it's the, out. The it's internet out in either. the internet. Okay, okay, like, okay. It's in the internet. It's findable. So we'll find it. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Also, okay. like buy Paul Butler's book. Okay. Great. Even though he used to be a prosecutor, but he saw the light. Okay. Yeah. Came, came over. Came over to the good side. Yes, absolutely. All right. So before you know, we kind of delve a little bit further into um, your career. I kind of wanna. I kind of wanna go back. Okay. To the beginning. How far back? All the way. We gonna. We about to go back. Way okay. back. <laughs> <laughs> Hopping in the way back machine. All right. I bet. Okay. Um, um, so I was born. It's a beautiful little light-skinned baby in the oh. hospital in Haiti. <laughs> I thought. See, I, I thought you about to be like I was born by the river. In a little tip. In a little t- <laughs> <laughs> Just like the river, I've been running ever since. Uh, well, you know what? Um, we really are doing this music thing tonight. So we, we, we are. Yeah, we're going we gonna to keep it rolling. All right. So, Eve. Yes. Born in Haiti. I, that is true. You're born in Haiti. You moved with your family. You immigrated to America when you were seven years old. Ba-da. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, touchdown, Fort Lauderdale. Uh, no, actually, nope. a few stops. I touched okay. down JFK. <laughs> <laughs> New York. All right. I lived here for like a month mm-hmm. in the part that nobody talks about. We lived in Spring Valley. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, apparently Rockland County, 845. I wouldn't know. I didn't go anywhere. <laughs> I was seven. I didn't have a car. They were not letting me push the whip. Um, and then moved down to Miami, okay. North Miami, what yeah. I do. And then made my way to Lauderdale. Okay. Where we roll our D's, Broward County in this bit. All right. And so so coming from coming from Haiti, seven years old, not even a new place, a new country. Mm-hmm. What was that experience like? Like did you feel as though, you know, you have to or you had to learn to balance multiple identities and multiple cultures or like this this sharing of culture? I think it, it got to that point, but really, like, my first thought was, holy shit, there's a lot of white people. Mm. Um, because, I, I mean, I, I come from Haiti, right? right? So I lived in Jeremy, Haiti, which is a coastal town by the water, and everybody kind of, like, looked like me and my family, right. which my family kind of runs the spectrum of blackness. There, We have mm-hmm. some real, real light, some folks that, like, are more blessed with melanin than others, right? right? And then I didn't really, I wasn't really exposed to a lot of like whiteness mm-hmm. um, until I touched down in JFK and I was like, holy crap, really? that's a lot of white people. Um, so it was a shock. Yeah, but as time went on, I think the, the weirdness, the duality was kind of like you're in school and I grew up in the hood and I'm proud of that. Like I'm gonna be a hood girl to the death of me. And when you're like at school, you're this girl. And like for the longest time I went by a different pronunciation of my name, right? Um, I chose the name Eveka because people were fucking up my name and they were not saying it right. So I was just like, I bet. So at school, I was like Eveka and it was cool. Mm-hmm. And at home, I would go home and my parents would call me Ivka because mm-hmm. that's my name. Right. And they would speak to me in Creole and they would speak to me in French. And I would be speaking you know, English at home and my mom would be like, ah, yeah, ah, you know, we don't do that. Like right. speak, you know, you're Haitian living right. in America. Mm-hmm. Your tongue, yeah. your yeah. native tongue. Exactly, and I, I love her for that because like, she kept me from being a yank, man. <laughs> That's dope. Because <laughs> there's a lot of beauty in culture when you're able to kind of recognize that and internalize mm-hmm. it. Um, 
but it, it was this weird thing about being American when not in the home and being okay. Haitian when home. And so that that's that I guess that was kind of this that weird duality of, right? of of being being here but not of here or yeah, from here, and then yeah. trying to associate with these commonalities with other people that once again that look like you, but you have very vastly different experiences. Yeah, it kind of like you know. We're all coming from the same tree, but our branches kind of sprouted out at different points, right? Uh Um, It wasn't until I got to college. I I started college when I was like 16, 17. And when I got to college, it was this this experience (laughs) of... Okay. It's not like deep impressive or anything, I swear. Uh, (laughs) It's kind of impressive. I started college when I was 18. I mean, it, like, what, what, what's in a year? Oh, um, my God. A year by <laughs> any other name would smell as sweet. But, like, when I started college, it was kind of like finding out what blackness means to right. me and mm-hmm. this idea that blackness is not this monolith that right. you get, like, blackness is the, Varied experiences. the umbrella and then you sure. have different things underneath it because, sure. the, you know, finding out how many fucking hip-hop producers are Haitian, I was like, what? Yeah. Look at this shit. Now it's a lot less of a duality and more kind of like... Okay this really interesting primordial sludge of blackness and what that means for me. But at that Um, time, you know, did, did you feel as though there was like a pulling between trying to be Haitian American, like I said, outside the home and then having, you know, this culture and this history of who you are inside your home. Whereas I know I've, I've had conversation with a lot of friends who are either Caribbean or African and how, you know, their parents like, yo, like, you know, don't be American, you know, don't assimilate. Like we're here, but don't assimilate to this American way of life and ideology. Mm-hmm. And like, did you feel as though there was a pulling of these two contrasting things? Well, I think for part of it, my parents were always reminding me that, okay, you're not American. Right. And back then it used to be this thing where I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? But also I wasn't a citizen, right? So when my parents were talking to me and they were like, what your friends can do and get away with, you can't do and get away with. Mm-hmm. I thought it was bullshit. But now having studied the law, it's like, that was some real shit. Yeah. If your friends got caught up in some mess, they are not getting deported. Right, you are. Nobody's coming to the house to check on their papers. That's not going to be a consequence of that behavior, right? So you're still experiencing white supremacy and anti-blackness in its forms because of the way you look outwardly, right? right? And then once people find out more information about what your blackness really entails, now you're on top of it dealing with xenophobia, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It, it, mm-hmm. There was a reality in this, you're not American, yeah. at least not yet, not until like I became a citizen. Yeah. Um, and also this idea of what your culture means to you about keeping that alive, speaking your language, forming mm. your tongue around words that you should know. Yeah. Um, a lot of things that my, my folks used to say to me back then that I didn't, that it took a lot more for me to really understand. Okay. And which sucks, you know? Like, what? <laughs> like it kind of, just this idea of like what culture, what it means. Um, I found myself doing a lot of study and research on just Haitian culture and Haitian history after I no longer lived in my parents' home and mm-hmm. I could just turn to them and ask them questions about yeah. things, things that I could have gotten from them that I ended up having to get from books because. Right. To know thyself. Yeah, but it's also this really ridiculous American mindset of like book learning being higher than mm, life experience, life experience yeah. which is really <laughs> stupid. And it's not of 
blackness, to be honest, because a lot mm -hmm. of our history, a lot of our culture is passed right. through oral history. Right, correct. Um, and we have such amazing people in all of our families that probably didn't go to college and mm -hmm. don't have PhDs. Right. But if life experience could get them a degree, they would mm -hmm. have them on top of them. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Um, so we were talking about duality. So yeah, for a really long time, there was mm -hmm. this idea of not being American, but feeling like you're American, but mm -hmm. also not being American. Yeah. But I, I grew up in, in Fort Lauderdale. I grew up in Miami. So like that's heavy Caribbean yeah. culture. Right. And, right. <laughs> like, and so and so and so I, I was gonna I was gonna speak to that. Whereas whereas you're still in a place where it's it's there very, were a lot of people it's very that diverse are culturally. From from. Yeah, yeah. So it's very diverse culturally. You still hear you still run into people who speak your language. True. Um, but I was also growing up in the late '90s where being mm -hmm. Haitian was not dope. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That was not the move, and you used to have to scrap. Like, mm -hmm. and people used to come out their side of their neck talking to you about some stuff. Um, thank goodness we're no longer in those times. Like, people discovered Grillo, and they're yeah. like, holy shit, the shit's <laughs> delicious. What? <laughs> they make that good conk. It's great. Um, but before then, it used to be like, Haitians eat cat, and Haitians do this, mm -hmm. and I'm going to call um, ice on you, yeah. and like, all types of shit. <laughs> so you got in some fights. Safe to say. Uh, Fist of cuffs. There were words that were exchanged in okay. mighty tiny fist. So, <laughs> so then, was what was your 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 school experience like that as well? I was a bookworm. Okay. I lived in the library. The library was a saving grace. Because um, when I first started school, I was in Esau, so I had to I had to learn how to speak English, and that is a lot harder than mm. it sounds um, because English is my third language. So, <laughs> your that, third language. Yeah. Okay. Um, I so Haitian, Creole, Creole, French, and okay. and English. So English was my third language. So the way that I learned how to speak English was just reading a ton of books. Okay. Um, wow. But when you're a bookworm, people tend to fuck with you yeah. a little more um, because usually they think you ain't got no hands. You're and a soft target. In some ways, I was. My, my oldest sister is the. You know, when they say, like, velvet glove, yeah. um, you know, and carry a big stick, she was the big stick. <laughs> okay. Um, mad quiet, but... Mm -hmm. She bring the hammer down. Yeah. <laughs> but my, my dad was very kind of like... Um, Haitians joke about the three L's, which means, like, um, school, church, and home. Okay. Um, that was my pops. Mm -hmm. He was not, you know, you ain't going to be out here running around in the streets. Oh, your friend's going to do it? That's cool. Yeah. What you going to do? Right. Um, that, was, <laughs> <laughs> that was the kind of dude that he was. And back then, mm -hmm. I was just like, holy shit, you are stifling me, and you're stifling my creativity, right, right. and my dad, space. you just don't understand. And he was like, I'm not out here trying to be your friend, little girl. <laughs> <laughs> I know I have a very similar experience. Just one, just having a black mama... And Pop was just like, yo, I ain't one of your little friends in the schoolyard. Yeah. I'll beat your ass. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like you know, you ain't, you ain't going to just talk to me any old way. You know what I'm saying? I don't care what so-and-so's mama doing. Yeah. yeah. What, they, what they let them do in this house. Yeah. Goes, it, you know. You got to add on, like, the West Indian experience thing of, like, 
Well, not even just West Indian. The immigrant experience of not only needing to be better than, mm-hmm. you know, the people that are of majority culture, yeah. but you got to be better than people that are native-born to this country, See, right? So I want to ask about that, mm-hmm. right? Because that, that's something that I feel like is across the board for all, I would say, first-generation mm-hmm. um, children of parents of immigrants, um, especially those who are black but not African-American, mm-hmm. right? This, this idea that, yo, you have to be better than even the African-American students and kids in the neighborhoods and in the schools as well. Yeah. And so what, like what, because you know, once again, like, yo, I'm, I'm from Arizona, you know what I mean? Like, I'm from, I'm from here. Mm-hmm. Now also, I'm from a very small town. We talk about being country. I always say, like, yo, I'm from the country, dog. Like, I'm from the sticks. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, we have a mall. You know, there was two black kids in our classroom. Um, so I didn't know a lot of, Caribbean people, I didn't know a lot of Haitian people, Trinidad. These are people or identities that I didn't know until I experienced the time with the college. Mm-hmm. Like in my like growing up in my experience, it was you was either Mexican, you was black, or you was Asian. That was it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or now you might have been Dominican, Cuban, Puerto Rican, but we might have just been like, yo, you them is just niggas. Like in that, you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, we <laughs> you know That's real, yeah. Where, where, whereas there wasn't a large, you know, um, diversification of identifying what it is. It's just yeah, like, yeah. you know what I mean? I, so for us, it was just like, yo, of course my parents like, hey, go to school. This is important. This is necessary. Education is important. But I feel like for... for I, I think for most immigrant communities, it's this idea of you are here and everybody else already has a leg up on mm-hmm. you because they are of the culture. They speak the language. Right. So it, it's kind of like you're running a race and they have the lane that's curved in, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's a little bit less effort. Yeah. And you're all the way in the last the last lane. Yeah. The so you, lane. you gotta yeah. you, you, you gotta make, you know, kind of like push off speed a lot quicker than yeah. other people. Um, so it's even more like disparities. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Because like our parents were worried, were kind of like all right, so as an example, um, I know plenty of people whose parents were teachers, were nurses and doctors in their homeland, mm-hmm. and then came here, and because they did not speak the language, were cleaning people's houses and right. were cleaning hotel rooms, right. and were working incredibly hard to make mm-hmm. just the minimal amount. Right. And not only were they dealing with you know, the effects of white supremacy and anti-blackness, right? right? They were also dealing with xenophobia within mm-hmm. communities that looked like that. Sure, sure. Absolutely, because I, I used to translate for my parents when we went out to like mm-hmm. grocery stores and like I was the person that was on the phone with, you know, customer service and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I heard the way people talk to my mother. Mm-hmm. If you can't speak English, get out of here. What the right. fuck are you doing here? Like this was not like she's not a stupid woman, you know yeah. what I mean? Just because There's a language barrier. It's a it's a third language. She's had several decades on this earth, and yeah. it's a little harder to catch on languages. Yeah. I know people that are 25 and can't you know, speak Spanish, and it's their yeah. second language. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's this idea of kind of like, because of the experiences that our parents had when they moved here, mm-hmm. um, with people that looked like them, it made them a lot more cautious with them, mm-hmm. their children, right? Because that's like their most valuable thing is their kids, and they're telling you, look, there are snakes out here. Yeah. And it, it's really the equivalent of, you know, all skin folk ain't kin kinfolk. folk. Right, right. Um, <laughs> I believe that thoroughly. Yeah. And when you grew up the way that I grew up, you understood that. What I do think is unfortunate and what I do think begs 
discussion and it begs, um, it begs actual discussion. Um, when we're talking about an anti-blackness the other way around, we don't mm -hmm. tend to have those conversations. In my experience, it tends to come from folk that come from kind of like a higher income right. coming, immigrating into this country, mm -hmm. um, kind of like these African-Americans are lower than us, you know, yeah. that, that kind of idea, right. um, because I've seen that. We just, we just got to have the conversations. Mm -hmm. We really do. We just got to have the conversations. Oh, right. yeah, my daddy told me I was going to college or <laughs> shit. Yulba's daughters? Oh, shit. <laughs> got him fucked up. <laughs> like, that's, that's something you going to do. Yeah, basically. When he learned, oh, college in America? Mm -hmm. Scholarships? Oh, you going. See, and, that, and that's something I feel like is, is across black families. Like, that's something that this, this idea of um, education as a means for, like, individual and collective like betterment, mm -hmm. whereas at the time, you know, none of my parents had, they went to college, or at least they started, but they didn't, they didn't finish. Like, my mother never finished college. My father, through the military, was able to, you know, receive an a, um, undergraduate degree. And same with my mother. My mother, you know, she's a, she was a soldier. Her and my father were military, but they came from a time where it was either, you know, what, go work in a factory, join the military. And so they joined, they chose to join the army and travel, mm -hmm. right? But my parents didn't care what we studied as long as we went to school. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. I don't care what you get this degree in. You're going to get this piece of paper because, of course, my dad would say, right, can't nobody take it from you. Right, this idea that once you have that piece of paper, can't nobody take it from you. You know, and I think that's something that, I think that is something that's across just like, black culture or black communities, this idea of how important it is for to have that, whatever it is. Yeah. My, my dad, it was not a whatever it is. Um, I don't think my dad would have been like, yay, if I got a degree in archaeology. <laughs> uh, for my dad, it was kind of like setting yourself up to be able to build generational okay. wealth in the future. Mm. Um, so he had more of an idea for you, like, hey, this is what I want you to do, or? No. Um, so what's actually interesting, so uh, my dad passed away a few months ago, mm -hmm. and um, in putting everything together for the memorial and all the stuff, getting stories from people about him, um, he's what uh, we call a tutiste, mm -hmm. uh, which means somebody that, that does it all. My dad has like basically, he held every job possible. Mm -hmm. um, he tried everything. But there's this uh, one recording. I did a documentary with HBO a few years ago. Okay, wow. And they interviewed my dad for it. And well done. he, it's like the best thing that I have, like as a memory of my father. It's just like, you know, all I want for Yuka is to go to college, to the profession she likes the most, and after that, enjoy her life. Which yeah. is so dope, right? Because yeah. he, he didn't pick my career for me or anything like mm -hmm. that. It was just like, I, I want her to go. Right to get the knowledge, do what she wants to do, and then have fun, yeah. which is great. He sold into your life, though. Yeah, he did. I'm going to miss that guy, man. He was an asshole, but I'm going <laughs> to miss that guy. I think it's, it's the same for my mom, yeah. um, which is a little bit kind of sideways of Haitian culture, because Haitian culture, it's like, we want the doctor, we want the lawyer, yeah, that's yeah. it. Now they want the engineer, you know. Right third career, so we're getting there, um, diversifying our portfolio. <laughs> what did your sister go to school for? Uh, my sister has degrees in degrees. Psych <laughs> psychology, okay. 
dietetics slash food and nutrition right. as well as a master's in public health. Beautiful. Fam- yeah. Family of, as they would say, professionals. Yeah, and I'm, I got my eye on her in a few years. Okay. I'm going to be calling her Dr. P. He's like, yo, okay. Yeah. That's my girl. She's smart as hell. So pivoting there, we're in Florida, all right? You're eight years old, and you witnessed your first American arrest. Now, from my research, this is around the time that kind of shifting your trajectory towards this idea of the law. Can you kind of recount that for me? People got arrested on my block in Miami. Like, yeah. people got arrested on my block. And it, it got to a point where it wasn't, it wasn't kind of weird anymore, right. which is really the worst thing, right? Yeah. The first time that you see something like that, it's like, oh my God, this kid is so young, he's in handcuffs. Mm-hmm. His mom's in the street and she's screaming and she's wailing. People are pulling her away. There are people standing around telling their kids that better not be you. And it's this mm-hmm. moment and it's tense and it's awful. And you see the car drive away and you don't know what's gonna happen to that kid. Eventually he comes back home, things are a little bit worse off. Yeah. But then it keeps happening. Right. For a while, you, you don't go outside anymore. Mm-hmm. You, you don't watch him getting cuffed anymore. You hear his mom, you turn the television up a little bit. Right. Like, it, it, you that's said, the worst part. You said normalization of the abnormal. Yeah. That's what you used. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, I, I think that that's really the part that kind of like hit me in my gut. Right. When I recognize that just like this keeps happening and it's been happening so much we think this shit is cool. Right. Or it, it's you on a train... My man comes on a train, he has like shorts over his jeans, and... <laughs> yeah, excuse has, me, ladies and yeah, gentlemen. Yeah, 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 you know, and then you zone out, you put the headphones on, mm-hmm. you, you know, you, you tilt your head down, and you wait until either he passes or your stop comes. Yeah. Where now you just, you become desensitized to your reality. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it, that really... It does one of two things, right? Mm. Either you accept the fact that this is normal, okay, or you explore why mm-hmm. this has been so normalized. The science culture, behind right? it, right? Um, and that—that's why, kind of in college, I got really interested in criminology, okay, entirely by accident, because what I wanted to be when I grew up. I wanted to be Christiana before. <laughs> I wanted to be a political journalist. Um, okay. I minored in Arabic. I wanted really? to get yeah. Wow. I wanted to get a degree in communications okay. and travel the world and be a reporter. That's what I was doing when I was in high school. I was freelancing. I was on the wire. Oh shoot. Not the the <laughs> the news wire. That's what I wanted to do. Shout out to Baltimore. Yeah, Blue Light Central. Um You still that time though? No, because <laughs> really what, what was the difference for me was just like, journalists don't get to say shit. They get to reflect things, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're like big mirrors for what is happening. Right. Um, and I just talk way too fucking much for that. So I decided to be a lawyer. I have a question specifically about, about that. Yeah. All right, I wrote it down. I'm, I'm, so I'm, I'm going to read it off. Okay. All right. Prompt time. Yes. Yes, yes. Um, so this is, and this is just what I, when I think about the law, and I guess when I think about going into law or being a lawyer, as it relates to being a person of color, okay? 
um, my idea of the law or one's love of the law um, as it relates to people from backgrounds who are largely marginalized um, and those who are also upholders of the law, I see it kind of as this juxtaposition of, of, of two things. And so for me, it's like to, to be part of a community where the law and the institution doesn't necessarily and has historically not served us. Mm -hmm. Do you feel or have you felt that there needed to be like a period of like reconciliation between like those contrasting ideas to be a person of color from a group of people that the law has not ever been just or not often just and then to be now inducted into this other group where you also practice law as well. I kind of feel the same way about like people who go into law enforcement and authority, where it's like, yo, I grew up in this block. Cops just come through on my block all the time, where there's like five-o and it's an ill experience. And then to also be now encloaked in like this blue wall of like brotherhood. Like, is there like some parts to reconcile with? So here's what I tell my clients, and also what I'll what I'll put on here is an asterisk of the kind of law that I practice. Okay. I am a criminal defender of people that are considered indigent, people that cannot afford their mm. own representation. Got it. So that is what I do. And what I tell my clients is this. The system is bullshit. The system is flawed. The shit is broken. And my job is to burn it the fuck down. I don't know that I've ever heard anything like that from from a lawyer. I mean, if somebody is a public defender, that should be the mindset. Uh -huh. Because you can't do this job day in and day out and yeah. think this is justice. Mm -hmm. What we do is we shepherd some of our clients to minimize consequences, but the larger overarching goal right. is to get rid of the broken shit that we have before us mm -hmm. and to give something better. Okay. Period. So for me, there was never a period of reconciliation because mm -hmm. I'm not accepting of our current state of existence. And I guess this that is, not is ultimately it. like, I guess the idea, right? Where usually it's like you, you, you buy in to the fallacy. I, I, I don't think there's a buy-in that, that could be fully normalized. I think there's an understanding uh -huh. that there are people, if they do not have a guide to get them through this, will end up more scarred than they would be otherwise. Mm -hmm. um, and that is the current job that I hold. I am a guide, I am a shepherd, mm -hmm. and at times I'm a fucking protector. <laughs> but what I am not, yeah. what I am not is a cog in the machine. What I am not is someone mm -hmm. that is lying down in acceptance of where we are. Um, when I, when I started, kind of like my journey in the law, I was a bit mm -hmm. of a reformist, but now I'm an abolitionist. Yeah. I, I, think, I see that. Yeah. I see that. It's an identity that I claim for myself. I think that jails and prisons are largely, um, I, I shy from saying entirely, but largely unnecessary. I think mass uh -huh. incarceration is a cancer right. of this country. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that, that's where I am with it. So for me, I, I didn't have to... Um, make those leaps and bounds. I do have friends Or compartmentalize, that, rather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have friends that are black that are prosecutors. Mm. That, I think, is a harder burden to bear. Sure, um, sure. I couldn't do it. I don't see how we're helping society as a whole mm. to you know, put a poor person in jail for jumping 
a subway turnstile when obviously <laughs> the issue that he has is that he's homeless right. and he is poor and he mm -hmm. has nowhere to go and putting him in jail for 30 days is not going right. to solve shit. I don't see the benefit of society for putting somebody that is obviously an addict, right, that's addicted to crack cocaine, heroin, PCP, whatever the fuck it may be, mm -hmm. in jail for stealing a Snickers bar. That's the first thing yeah. that I ever saw when I started this job. Really? I saw a woman get 30 days in jail for stealing a Snickers bar from a fucking Dwayne Reed. Wow. And I went home and I cried. Mm. Um, wasn't even my client. I was just in court. Yeah. And it was kind of like in that moment, I'm like, yo, this is some real shit. I have clients that are accused of dumb shit all the time. And mm. I go back there and they're being held in a holding cell and they're telling me all types of shit. And... I'm like, first of all, I want you to understand that I think this is bullshit just as much as you do. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, this job is hard, yo. Yeah. Like, no, I, I'm, I, can, I, can, I can only imagine. <laughs> I can only imagine it. It's necessary. It's yeah. Just... So, so since we're, we're, we're in this space, walk me through kind of like a day-to-day -day for you. Um, <laughs> there's no on such the, thing. On the light end, what's... Ooh. Okay, so... On a normal, I guess, non-arraignment day, okay. um, arraignment being when you are in court and you're handed files of people who are newly arrested and mm -hmm. you are arraigning them, bringing them before the court to be read on the charges against them. Um, on a day when that is not going on, I have cases on. Um, okay. So I do now, I do both misdemeanor and felony cases. Okay. So. I have a couple clients. I could be in this courtroom, that courtroom, bouncing mm -hmm. around. Sometimes I have cases that are on for motions, for decision on motions that I've written, mm -hmm. cases that are on for hearing and trial, or just trial if there are no hearings. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I'm ready to start a trial because I have all the information I need. Sometimes the prosecution is not ready. Sometimes it's flipped around. Sometimes my clients don't show up for court, which is a really bad idea. Um, <laughs> uh, to, to not show up, to skip yeah, court. Yeah, because what's going to happen is they will find you. Yeah. Like, you will get found. Like, it could be like 10 years later, mm -hmm. and you're going to get caught up on some bullshit. Right. And it, it's going to come back to bite you in the ass. Unless you're trying to like stay, stay gone. <laughs> um, that is not legal advice. I indemnify <laughs> myself from that. Like, don't do that shit. Just come back to court. Um, because in New York, if you don't come back to court within 30 days, then you mm -hmm. can catch a bail jump in charge. Wow. And so what, what does that entail then? That is a new misdemeanor. Really? Because you failed to come back to court, so you jumped bail. That's crazy. I mean, it, it's based on federal law, yeah. um, kind of codified into New York state law. Okay. But that, that's kind of like what an average day for me looks like. So if mm -hmm. I spend an entire day in court, what is left behind, right? Mm -hmm. All the work that I would have done if I was not in the courtroom every yeah. day, you know, the entire day. So what ends up happening is I come back to the office. There are motions to be written. Got to write those fucking motions. Mm -hmm. If there are phone calls to, to be made, got to make those fucking phone calls. If there yeah. are cases to be prepped, got to prep those fucking cases. Um, so it makes for a lot of long nights. At times, yeah. At times, yeah. But at, what I have done most recently, <laughs> I purchased me a desk for my house. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's important. That's important. Yeah. To, to, to have space. To have space yeah, to set like, aside. Because sometimes, start. like, the work's still going to get done, but imagine how much more comfortable you would be doing it in a pajama, you know, in pajamas in your house. Right. Um, Little sage burning. Yeah, you know. 
who's a non-problematic artist that I can still play? <laughs> I was going to say have like Badu, but then, uh, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think she's talking, she's not talking about the music, just like. No, no, like. Her sentiments. Yeah. 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 Like for the longest time I couldn't listen to Lupe. But now I'm back, food and liquor, the cool, I'm with it. It's back again. I but Badu like that. had that like rape apologist shit. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Teenagers, yeah, yeah. So I was like, ah, I can't do it. She has some wild shit on uh, her, uh, wild. Her, her, her Twitter. Wild. <laughs> Out of pocket. Yeah. But yeah, so that's like an average day. But like the days that are really hectic for me mm-hmm. are the days when I'm picking up new cases. Okay. Um, and if you're working a felony shift, then it's mm-hmm. like you're doing a lot of work on the front end, right? So when you're in a space where they're asking fifty, sixty thousand dollars bond or cash bail, you know, on a client, you're like, holy shit, how am mm-hmm. I gonna get this guy out? How am I gonna get the bail low enough that his family can make it? Yeah. And if his family can't make the bail that they set, what are my options? Am I gonna do a bail review? Am I gonna write a writ and go argue that in front of the appellate term? Okay. <laughs> like. Am I going to beg the ADA for an offer? Yeah. Is somebody going to have to plead to something that they're telling me that they didn't do so they can get out of jail? That is also another difficult thing. Really? That, like, so 90, like, something like 95% of cases okay. end in a plea. Do you think 95% of people that are arrested did it? No, absolutely not. People make cost-benefit analysis decisions all the time. Mm. And people got to decide, yo, do I want to go back home and work and take care of my kids and keep my apartment and do this and mm-hmm. do that? Or do I want to sit in jail? They're offering you this. Okay. They're giving you time served on the misdemeanor. You'll be out tonight, but I didn't do it, miss. Okay. If you want to fight the case, I'll fight the case. Yeah. But then people got to make that decision, right? Like Game time decision. Yeah. That's wild. And sometimes That's it's really like wild. immediate. Play with it's your on life. the night of, right? Yeah. It's on the night of. Um, and then with the knowledge, like, yo, you're not going to be back in court for another four months, mm-hmm. like another four weeks, right? Yeah. So they're offering you time served. You get to walk out of here tonight. But that shit's on your record. It's on your record. You have a misdemeanor conviction on your record. Or you could... can you make bail? Nah, nobody can pay this bail for me, mm-hmm. okay? The amount that they're asking for is more than bail fund will pay. You're in on a felony, so nobody's going to be able to charitably pay that bail for you. Mm-hmm. Can, you know, is there anything compelling that we could get you out? No. Okay. You're telling me you didn't do it. We don't have time to get video. We don't have this. We don't have that. Tonight, you're going to have to make a decision. Am I going to sit here for four more weeks? Mm. You or, take this deal, you go home right now. Yeah. And it's a shitty position to be in. And that, that's why, I, again, I reiterate that the system is fucked up. Yeah. And the system is broken. And you can't acquiesce yourself in any way of thinking this is the way that shit should go. Right. Like, this is what justice looks like. Yeah. Every single time I come up and down the, um, the steps in criminal court and it's like, it says, like, you know, carved into the stone, yeah. like, do justice. And I'm like, yeah. fuck that shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is not what justice looks like, right? Mm-hmm. Because in a reality, justice would look like an officer doing all of that work before slapping cuffs on somebody. Right. Their their right? actual due diligence. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Justice would look like a cop looking for the video, looking at the video mm-hmm. before cuffing somebody and taking them in. Right? We well, live in fucking New York City. You don't yeah. think this camera's everywhere? On every right. By the way, I'll be the first one to tell you, Macy's on Thirty Fourth Street got the most cameras. Oh shit. <laughs> I don't know why people always think they can steal from that place. Don't do Yo. that shit. They got like a hundred cameras. And I actually think from that's a flagship. They can follow. I think that's their flagship yeah. too. Yeah. They'll follow you on camera. They'll see you. 
Like, people also like to um, take things from Century 21 all the way downtown. Yeah. Don't do that. They got hella cameras. Like, it's a bad idea. There's also cameras, like, Free on every advice. block, bruh. Like, on every block in New York. Like, you really think cops yeah. can't just go into the bodega and be like, yo, like, can I see your outside camera? Yeah. Let me see if such and such. So why don't they? In your opinion. Well, because it's not part of their training. Mm-hmm. Because there's this idea that, oh, they'll fix it in court. But just getting arrested can ruin right. somebody's life. Sure. Getting arrested and spending a night in jail not could alone. mean that somebody loses their job, mm-hmm. right? Lose that it. didn't pay their rent on time loses their house. Miss an interview. Mm-hmm. It could mean that just having that contact, having your fingerprints done, if somebody's not documented, puts a red flag on them, mm-hmm. right? Just getting arrested by this new executive order is enough if you're undocumented to make you deportable. Really? Yeah, just like immediate deportable. Don't even need a conviction. Just getting arrested. And that's some shit. That is. So no due process. What up? See you in court my ass. So speaking of which, right? <laughs> so as you know, Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals just voted to keep the, the ban on the ban what it is, mm-hmm. right? So I know you were you were down at some of the protests mm-hmm. um, a few weeks ago. I don't know if you were at the JFK at Terminal Four. Mm-mm, I missed that one. Okay, okay. Tell me a little bit about that experience. I, I, I didn't. I was I was here. I was at work. You um, know what I mean? Um, but you know, I, I know you were down there. I think what's what happened was really horrible. Right. Um, and it continues to be really horrific. Mm-hmm. It affects what, a lot of people. Yeah, man. The kind of a weird silver lining or silver cloud okay. in all of this is... I won't speak for other places because I live in New York, right? Like, this is a city of immigrants that's, like, propped right. up by immigrants, right? Built by immigrants. Um, but seeing the mobilization of colleagues, people that I don't know, lawyers that were just like, mm. fuck it, we, you know, set... like. There were cities, not even in New York, like Chicago, yeah. like they made it that like you couldn't be in the terminal without a ticket. So now you mm. have lawyers buying plane tickets for flights just so they could be in the terminal to help people. Oh my god. That's like nuts, right? Like, and you know people talk shit about lawyers. Like we suck with that. Yeah. Ah, right, that right, right. But like seeing the mobilization of like people mm-hmm. with skills to do that, people that just speak different languages mm-hmm. that are like bet. Like I can this, translate. I can translate. Yeah. Like Put me to work, where do you need me? Do you know mm-hmm. how many times I heard that? That was like, mm. what? That's fucking amazing. I don't yeah. practice immigration law, but I have to have consults with immigration lawyers because yeah. I practice criminal law. Um, there's this case, Padilla, mm-hmm. basically saying that um, criminal lawyers need to be able to give immigration advice to clients before they take pleas, just mm. so, um, it, because if they don't, yeah. then those pleas can be taken back because right. they weren't properly advised right. of direct consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, but like seeing just, I was at a protest okay. and we were coming from Battery Park to the immigration building, like okay. right by criminal court. You yeah. know, the law and order steps? Yeah, yeah. Right by there, yeah. right? And I was towards the front and we marched and we were there and it was the rally point. And then you just saw people were still coming for like an extra hour mm. of just people that were still coming to this rally point. Yeah. Like we like left to like walk the line and then people weren't even done making the curve. Mm. Like, and it was just this really just beautiful moment of just 
different looking people that were like, yeah. not on my fucking watch. Yeah. Like, you know? Yeah. And nah, B. Yeah. That was my sign at the protest. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> nah, my sign B. was like, ban? Nah, nah B. B. Sign New Yorkers. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that was amazing. And it was yeah. kind of like mobilization around all types of places. It was on all seven continents. Like, yeah. Antarctica? Yeah. Like, how fucking nuts is that? They were protesting in Antarctica? Like, yeah. what? And so... There's this kind of, like, beautiful moment and kind of belief in humanity in a way. Yeah. Um, that that bright moment. Yeah. To see to see everybody kind of come together. Like, flash paper in right. a way. A I, wrong, I just... Yeah. I, I hope the energy is maintained because things are, are getting worse before they get better. Yeah. And, and, and even more so now. We, we need that kind of unification across across the board now. Yeah, well, the only thing I hope um, mm. is that people are not looking for these martyr situations because right. I, I, I think sometimes people find it easier to rally behind the idea of green card holders not being allowed back in the country, right? That's like, whoa, that offends my sensibilities. Mm -hmm. But the idea of raids of undocumented persons, right. they're able to go, ah, yeah. with this, with that. Like, it, it, they, can keep, a, they can keep quiet on that. Exactly. Like, eh, they, they can qualify right. their beliefs, right? Mm -hmm. And um, there's this there's this like really great uh, Toni Morrison quote uh, where she says, like, um, if you have power, your job is to empower someone else, mm. you know? And it's, it's just this idea of, like, no no perfect people. Just because you're good over here, yeah. like, now your job is to make them good over yeah. there, right? Mm -hmm. um, people just, you know, they have this idea of what it means to be an undocumented person. They don't yeah. understand that people have been living here for decades, and yeah. yes, paying taxes, and mm -hmm. yes, raising children, mm -hmm. and taking your kids on the carpool. There's a process. There's like, a process that, that, has, that has to be gone through. And people don't come here for shits and giggles. I right. think that that's kind of like the biggest draw that I think mm -hmm. folks need to take, take yeah. out of it. People don't leave their homeland. They don't leave all that's familiar to them. Mm -hmm. They don't leave their loved ones, their possessions, where people respect them, where they speak yeah. the language for shits and giggles. They don't go, huh, I wonder what the beaches are like in California. That's not why the fuck yeah. they're here. You know mm. what I'm saying? And, and this idea of like all undocumented persons are here to cause you know, havoc and mayhem and Take all that. Take our jobs. Yeah, that's yeah. bullshit. That's yeah. absolute bullshit. Hell, I took your job. Now what? <laughs> Fight me. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was documented, though. But, yeah. like, still, fight me. Like, what you gonna do? You really wanted to do this job? If you wanted to do it, you would've had it. You'd've done it. Mm -hmm. See, you would've had a leg up. You already spoke the language. Yeah. And so just, just from, you know, an outside perspective, um, and just looking in, um, and just looking in on, on you in particular, I, I just see that it's a very large convergence of, of many different sorts, particularly for you, right? So when I notice that you're down there um, at the rally, one, I know you originally immigrated here, right? The executive order that came down directly affects people with immigration status. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm, I'm sure that hit home in a, very, in a very particular way for you. And so to be down there, to be like, all right, you know what? Was it, was it a second thought, like, yo, I'm getting up, I'm going? Like, was this like, yo, this is, there was no thought to it? Um, so my homeboy, he's a public defender at Brooklyn Defenders. Like, mm -hmm. So we have the same job, different organizations, different boroughs. Your man's so, I know. Is that your boy? No. Okay. I don't think you've met him, but you okay. should. He's dope like shit. Uh, 
he hit me up the night of everything happening okay. at JFK. So we're getting emails from work, like, okay, lawyers are doing this, lawyers are doing that, do you do this? Like, trying mm -hmm. to, like, coordinate our efforts yeah. via email. And he was like, that was when um, they shut down the trains. Mm -hmm. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, so we were going to take the air train, and then they shut down the train. And it wasn't until late that, um, was it the Blasio or Cuomo that was like, nah, fuck that shit. Yeah. Like, he can't do that. Um, but then at that point, it was like, okay, like, are we going to take an Uber? Are we going to do this? And then the Uber strike happened, and it's like, shit, we can't take an Uber over there because right, we're right. not going to break the line. Mm -hmm. um, and then we were just looking for something happening. else to do. And then yeah. the next day, there was the rally. We're like, mm -hmm. fuck it. We're going to be there. We're going. Oh, I remember I was kind of like waffling back and forth. Like, should we go to this? Should we go to that? Uh -huh. And then he goes, this is important, Eve. And I was like, you're right. I yeah, I'm bugging. Yeah. Like, let's get our shit together. Mm -hmm. um, so I have a question just, just about protests in general. Yeah. And their perceived um, efficiency, or rather or not, right? So I, I, I have a conversation with a few friends about their feelings about it, and they, they feel very much so like protest is, is very passe in, in 2017. Mm -hmm. um, what's your I'm sure on those that? are the people that are they're lobbying their congressmen. <laughs> folk always have some sort of opinion about what other people are doing without doing shit. Mm -hmm. that, that's number one. That's what I tend to find. But okay. number two. When people talk about the civil rights movement, like there couldn't have been a Martin without a Malcolm, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Th there was kind of like the threat of otherness. If you don't deal yeah, yeah. with this civility, you gonna meet the other right. shit. The amazing thing about mobilizing large amounts of people mm -hmm. to show up in spaces to right. say we all collectively believe that mm -hmm. this thing needs to be done is that you're showing that there's you're speaking truth to power and you're right. showing there's numbers behind mm -hmm. it. Absolutely. And what politicians give a fuck about is numbers. Mm -hmm. Because what politicians give a fuck about is power. And right. numbers put them in power. Exactly. And numbers take them out, out of power. power. Absolutely. So it's not a passe thing mm -hmm. to add just your body and your presence to a movement, right? Mm -hmm. It's a big fucking deal. Yeah. It's, it, it's standing up and being counted. Right. It's a physical representation of solidarity. Exactly. Uh -huh. Because because what goes further with that is like, this is how we feel, and mm -hmm. we want you to know. If you don't do what we want, you won't have a job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a big fucking deal. Yeah. Because you know what? It's, it's, it's ill, right? Because once again, like I said, people are, yo, man, you know, I ain't marching. He's marching. You know, and, and it's like, yo, it still works. It you still works. You, you don't have to do shit. You ain't got to do shit. Yeah. That, that's my thing. You ain't got to do shit that you don't want to do. What you're not going to do, though, is throw salt in another motherfucker's game right. while you're sitting on your hands not doing shit. Or, right. You know what I mean? Like, because. Without without offering alternative solutions about fuck your alternative what solutions. Doing. Go do your alternative solutions and shut the fuck up. And, and that's real, like yeah. because people have a lot of criticism for people that do shit without doing their own shit. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. Like you'll see people like, "Yo, Black Lives Matter." Oh, but y'all wasn't protesting about this, this, and this. Like, or y'all wasn't talking about black on black violence. <laughs> Nigga, go do it if it's that important to you. Yeah. On the real, like, go do mm -hmm. it if it's that important to you. Nobody's stopping you. Yeah. We're not over here marching for this, telling you, oh, but you can't. You can't do your solution. Yeah. We won't support that. That's not how it goes. It's like, you just not doing nothing. Mm -hmm. But you John, though. Yeah. Say less. That's real. No, that's real. I'm, I'm obviously frustrated by, by this point. Um, sure. This has also I'm been sure. a, a conversation well, that I yeah. have had among my compatriots. I'd say this, this resurgence of you know, collective uh, coming together, I say, you know, since 
Trayvon Martin, Mike Brown, early time when it was like, yo, niggas is in the streets. Yeah. Like, like. It was a lot of like unbridled <sighs> anger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was the, really the, 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 the emotional and proverbial levees have broke again, right? And so, you know, we're at this place where it's like, yo, what do we do with this frustration and this anger? Where do we take it? Where do we put it? How do we channel it? And, and, and of course, just like you said, I think a lot of people are like, yo, it doesn't do shit. But, I mean, I, like I said, I, you know, yo, the judge out, I believe he was out in Seattle, don't quote me on that, who originally was like, yo, this shit's unconstitutional, B. Like, we about, to put a, we about to put a stay at this right now, right? The first one came out in New York, actually. Word, okay, okay. Yeah, that was the first one filed. It was, um, it was Washington, okay. Yeah, and, 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 not, and not that these two things are related, because I don't know, but... I mean, I, I think it was. I think um, there was a judge that referenced the mobilization the mo of people okay. um, as part of, like, obviously, because when you're when you're talking about the you know, the criteria that they're looking at, one of them is like, does this actually affect people? Yeah. And one of the responses was like, of course it's affecting yeah. people, and you know it's affecting people. Look at the mobilization of the population. Yeah. Right. And you have not only like people in the streets, but people are calling their senators yeah. in record fucking numbers. Like, like yo, these shit GOP is senators, <laughs> they're like, yo, like our phone lines are getting like overwhelmed. We've not, and it's like, hell yeah. yeah. We're like, we're not even sure it's our constituents. <laughs> oh, but it is. Yeah. And they mad. Yeah. But you gonna, yo, and, and you gonna hear me. Yeah. And a lot of people are, are getting that, like, you know, some of the people that weren't very active during mm -hmm. election time were like, uh-uh. Yo. Nah. Getting them clean the fuck up out the paint. But the thing is, once you get people out the paint, you got to replace them with something better. You're right. <laughs> You're right. I mean, at least that's the hope. That's the intention. You think. It got to be a little more than intent at this point. Mm -hmm. I think it's about that time to start cultivating who we, who got next. Right. Like, you know, like when you're playing a game of pickup yeah. basketball. Like, Yo, I got and next. somebody yeah. call it, mm -hmm. like, you know who coming up next. Sure. Yeah. Now we're like in the middle of this game. The shit mm -hmm. about to like it's Pop about off. to be time for the next game, but yeah. ain't nobody coming to the court. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So 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 this <laughs> this kind of brings me to like a really interesting point, because um, once again, like I said, my 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 limited knowledge of of the law, right? Um, it's okay. The president don't know. The law. <laughs> I probably know more than that man, um, but so and once again, seeing you and this convergence of. Um, the law and then also this identity of activism. And so I, I, I don't know that I've always felt these two things um, could coexist, right? I disagree. No, well, 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 well now, I, right? I said, I, don't, I didn't know if I felt that they could. Okay. All right. And so now, having seen you participate, and one, I just know you're vocal, I know you're active, I know how you feel about what's happening culturally, um, to our people, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so of course, I'm just like, yo, Eve's like, she's with the shits, like, she's active, like she, she one, she has something to say, and she has solutions, like, she's actually putting trips to power. Mm -hmm. But you also spit that same shit in the courtroom as well. And so that's where I'm like, well, damn, there, there is this overlap between enforcing or upholding the law, and also doing it through other means of activism. <laughs> I would love to see some activist cops. Mm, that's real. <laughs> Straight up. Because that, that's the first point of entry yeah. um, in the criminal justice system. Mm -hmm. If we had a lot more 
you know, actual community policing. Yeah. We had things would change. More, things like, would look it, a lot different. Yeah, now. like less people would be coming through the system. Mm-hmm. Um, we would have less yeah. jails being held open with mm-hmm. fucking quotas, right? Um, my my slight point of disagreement is kind of like when you look at the civil rights movement, it was a movement that was supported in, in part by lawyers because mm-hmm. the civil rights movement pushed legislation right. and it pushed law through cases. Right. Like none of those things were given; they were fought for tooth and nail through right. creative applications of the law. Um, so where do you feel that that there was, you know, this diverge between separating them and in, in activism? happening and existing in silo and whatever everyone else does over here, we just... I mean, it, it's kind of, it took the same curve when the culture took the curve. Like, when niggas started thinking shit was sweet. Okay, yeah. It's not sweet. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you think about what history t- teaches us about the crack a- epidemic, like, what history teaches us about kind of, like, mass incarceration in the 90s is that these were things that were called for Mm-hmm. by our communities. They didn't just happen to us. Yeah. Like, people were in the pulpit. Like, we need to, you know, put these little niggas in jail. We yeah. need to do this. We need the crime bill of 94. This was mm-hmm. like... But the crime bill of 94 was like... It was demanded by... Like, mm-hmm. demanded by communities. Mm-hmm. It was begged for. And hindsight is absolutely twenty twenty on that one, but it's like... Right. The activism was to get to that solution. Yeah. That was thought to be the solution. Mm-hmm. And they made it happen. And then, every, and then we lost a generation. Mm. Like a generation yeah. of people yeah. ended up being touched by the system. And then the generation coming after it yeah. is still being touched by yeah. that system. For sure. And that's some big shit. It's shit they try to sweep under the rug. I don't know like if, if something like that could be swept under the rug. It'd be just one big hill. <laughs> if you're looking at that hill under the rug and you're like, oh, I guess everything's fine here, then, like, my G, you're half the problem. Right. Um. Like, three strikes laws? Like, that nigga's in jail. Like, mm-hmm. with that third strike being some petty shit. Yeah. Stealing gum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. People in jail for, like, violating parole for accidentally being in the right. wrong place. Like, Oh, you right. were violated on parole, like, oh, because you were around criminals and they were around criminals because they were getting robbed by somebody who was a criminal. Like, yeah. no shit. Like, that's real life. Saw it in Baltimore. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely an industry. Like, if we had more time, we could talk about private prisons and about how that shit is <laughs> awful. Um, we'll say that for part two. <laughs> <laughs> no, people are going to be bored like shit. They don't want to hear, like, everything about this. But it, it's something that I'm absolutely passionate about. Yeah. And like I said before, and it's dope. I, I'm an abolitionist. Yeah, I, 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 was, I was actually about to bring in the point about Obama towards the end of his term, right? I think, I, I think he did a lot of good shit mm-hmm. that I was pro- proud of. Mm-hmm. But I also think he pussied out on some stuff. I feel he that. did, yeah. absolutely. I think towards the end of his term, he made more of a concerted effort mm-hmm. um, to look at criminal justice reform and what that would mean for him. Yeah. But I think what we also need to realize what... Barack Obama was and always will be, and that's a centrist. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a very middle-of-the-road blue dog dem, yeah. and that's cool. But I, when it comes to the criminal justice system, yeah. I'm not looking you for can't be middle that. of the road. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I but I, I will say it's better than, you know, lock him up, throw <laughs> the key, firing squad, yeah. lethal injection. I will say it's a lot better than that. 
but true, blue lives matter, right? Like uh, making it a hate crime to resist arrest. Yeah, that's right? some wild shit. Dumb shit like that. Because it's I'm better like, than that. You're not, like first of all, cops are not a protected group of people. They are not, right? Like, so I'm like, like what, like what does that mean, right? Yeah. Yo, like that's some smurfs, right? Yeah, yeah. Like that's some wild shit, right? You wasn't born black. You know what I what I <laughs> always wonder black though. Black when when they do the whole blue lives matter, who gets prosecuted when a cop kills a cop? Mm. Who gets prosecuted when a white cop shoots at an off-duty black police officer? Which blue life matters yeah, more? Exactly. Yeah. When it comes to cause, supremacy supersedes all. Oh, okay. So we got an answer. White yeah. supremacy supersedes all that, right? But but when it comes down to it, it's all bullshit. Right. Law and order, like, that's bullshit. (laughs) People don't want to talk about justice. Mm -hmm. They want to talk about an economical way to put people in jail. Mm -hmm. People that they're afraid of. People that Mm -hmm. don't look like them. When you look at models of where criminal justice actually works, it tends to be in homogenous populations. Like Iceland. Iceland has an amazing criminal justice system. They (laughs) They have open air prisons. They have prisons where people get to go home on the weekends and be with their families. Oh, wow. Check in, check out. They have, you know, community restoration. They have, like, they have all of these amazing stuff that they're more willing and able to go for. Why? Because they're able to feel more sympathy to people that look like them. Mm. Oregon has the lowest amount of recidivism Mm. than any other state in the country. Oregon has nearly a homogenous population. It's because it's a lot easier for them to feel empathy, yeah. to understand mm. people that look like them. Yeah. And that's where the, the bold, like we got to call a spade a spade to be yeah. able to all dig it, right? Like uh-huh. we, we got to realize that we're, ba- we're trying to reform something that's at its core broken. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. And putting more black cops on the, on the force is not going to fix the problem. Correct. More black mayors is not going to fix the problem. Mm. Black chiefs of police is not going to fix the problem. We got to change the rules mm. and we got to call the population. Yeah. You got to go through and be like, none of y'all niggas should be around. Yeah. Time to hire some new people. Yeah. Got to retrain all these motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. And if they're not doing what we're telling them to do, they got to go. And not only do they got to go, yeah. they can't work nowhere else doing this yeah. job. You got a clean house. We had a black DA in Brooklyn. We also, had, we also had an Asian cop who pulled the trigger, had his gun drawn against NYPD's procedure, shot somebody. But even the black DA was like, oh, I don't think he deserves to be in prison. That's to your point. It's like we could have black people in power, position of power, but they still subject to, to, to following that status quo. And if they don't, it's an issue. Another example. What's the woman in Baltimore that that pressed them charges against those yeah. cops? Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, they, oh, they opened uh, Maryland. It was, it was uh, I have to look it up. People out there in, in, in audio land, Google her name. Oh, they, they open up. up the books for them to, 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 to sue her right. on a civil level because she challenged white supremacy. So right. it's, it's deeper than just who's in position. It's, it's all about that system. Marilyn Mosby. Marilyn Mosby. Yeah, you're right. You see how they coming at her on a personal level. Yeah. I mean, she's about to lose her entire life, too. Yeah. Because her husband was in a position of power in Baltimore. 
In regards to the black DA, may he rest in peace. Let's start from the point that I think most people don't deserve to be in jail right. and prison. Okay. So starting from that point. I, I think, again, starting with the point of calling a spade a spade, if we're working within the system, that officer who did not follow procedures, who not only did not follow procedures, text his union rep before calling the ambulance. Mm. How is that ne not negligent Yo, homicide? That's what I'm <laughs> I, I don't think it was murder because I, I know the definition of murder mm -hmm. and there's intent behind right. that. Um, I do think it was reckless. Mm -hmm. But again, I'm not, I'm not a prosecutor. It's not my job to put people in jail. And for me, my idea of justice is not focused upon what officer goes to prison, mm -hmm. what officer is brought up on charges. My idea of justice, for me personally, and the work that I'm focused on doing, is having equity mm -hmm. for people that look like me in yeah. this system. Mm -hmm. it, becomes, it becomes like a, a heavier and more detailed conversation, right? Because if my focus is not working within the system that we have, then I'm not one that's going to be offering ways to convict people within the system that we have. Because again, that's not my focus. But if we want to keep it a buck, if that officer was just somebody that was not in uniform, that was coming down a darkened hallway and heard a noise and pulled a trigger, he would have been arrested. Mm -hmm. He would have been charged with manslaughter, more likely than not would have been convicted by a jury of his peers. And the recommended sentence would have been, if not prison, right, first arrest, no prior offenses, if not prison, it would have been, no, it would have been a violent felony. He mm. wouldn't have been shock eligible. He would have been sent up top, and he would have gotten a prison term. Absolutely. Mm. I have no client, no indigent client, that would have been offered the same deal as that officer, mm. period. My office actually put out a letter um, that was pretty scathing uh, talking about the discrepancy in sentencing recommendations. Wow. Um, which is dope. Like I, I love that I have an office that uses the word white supremacy. Because if, if Akai Gurley That's was, acknowledging what's actually happening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If Akai Gurley was a little white girl named Jenny Johnson, mm -hmm. that the same officer shot and killed mm -hmm. because of this fear of what goes bump in the night, I don't think we would be having this same conversation. You're right. You know you're right. Mm -hmm. You know that. Mm -hmm. Also, can we talk a little bit about, like, yo, if your job is to carry a gun and to go after the shit that go bump in the night, you shouldn't <laughs> be scared to go yeah, after the shit, shit that go, go bump, bump in the, the night. That's, that's real. That's real. If you scared, say hey. you scared, bro. Like, hey, there's a hundred thousand other things you can be. Be a community liaison officer. There you go. They fam. go out during the day. They wear the nice <laughs> blue jackets. Yo, and they home for the lights come on. They are. There you go. We're going to take a quick break. All right, yeah. and then uh, we'll be back. Yo, during this quick commercial break, I want to take a few minutes to tell you about an amazing new product and introduce you to Monsoor Sharp. It was created with the urban renaissance man in mind. It's the perfect facial hair product for men of all shades and men of various hair types. They take pride in skillfully handcrafting each bottle to precision. All right, fellas, now listen up because this is where it gets good. Summer Solstice is a premium beard oil that embodies a light, non-greasy formula that harvests a smooth, shiny, and well-conditioned beard. And beyond that, 
The fragrance is amazing. I've tried it. I was out here flourishing, had my beard looking and feeling luxurious. And these are just some of the benefits. Moisturizes skin, improves hair texture, rejuvenates skin cells, eliminates beard itch, promotes hair growth, and helps with inflammation. You can get it for your bae, or maybe that special friend who you secretly want to be the bae. Yo, either way, summer solstice is not just a hype move, it's the right move. And find out for yourselves at monsoursharp.com. So we back. Shout out to uh, Illustrious Bees, Aunt Kathy for the banana nut bread. Yo. Shit is fire. Yo. Yo. Okay. So. No, you got to give the banana nut bread the reverence mm. that, it, that it deserves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Reverence. Mm. Mm. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. moist. <laughs> <laughs> Can't stand you for using that word, though, bro. Cannot no. stand you for using that word. I felt like. I did it just for you. Shame on you. That's my least favorite word. <laughs> but you're right. I feel like women collectively don't like the word moist. It just rolls off the tongue, though. No, just... but it don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, as you know, it's a Black History Month. It is. And um, so I want to do take a few minutes to uh, play a few rounds of Black Card Revoked. Now, I understand that you know there may be some black cultural differences because it's you know it's not the West Indian version. Mm-hmm. But we're gonna truck through. All right. We're gonna do our best. Okay. I trust you. I got trust. I got faith in you. Holy crap. Okay. All right. Because this first you one. You all the selling me, bro. Yo 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 yo, Pete. I feel like this first one. I feel like you should know this. You ready? Holy shit! All right. Okay. First question. Which historically black fraternity? was the last to be admitted to the Divine Nine. Was it A? Iota Phi Theta. My guy. <laughs> I ain't even had to read it all. See? what I say? See? 1960. A. A. You already know. See? See? You got your confidence up. I gave you easy one. I pledged. Okay. No, I know. I know. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? The, the... Oh, I'm sorry. I, I was inducted. Right. Right. You, you know, we got the, the one in the discrepancy. Say the P word. For sure. Um, you know the the and actually I I don't I don't know if I told you the last shorty that I was talking to, she was a she was a, a soro, of yours. She was an SGRO. She was SGRO. I I could know her. Um, you may you know I mean you know uh, say less. <laughs> you, we'll do that. We'll talk <laughs> offline. Um, <laughs> Chit chat. <laughs> All right. Next. All right. Question. Next question. I've been nursing this beer like this since. You are yo yo you as we say. You uh, you babysitting? I am. Okay. Yeah, okay. be in the office in the morning. Okay. Right. You gully though. You gully. Out here. <laughs> All right. Question number two. In the middle dose. In what year did Cash Money Records take over? Was it A, two thousand one to two thousand two? How dare you? <laughs> Was it nineteen in the two thousand? Boy, if you get. See? All right. We good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Question number three. Number three. And, and for those of you, once again, this is Black Ass History. All right. We're playing a round of Black Card Revoked. They should sponsor me. Shit. Okay. <laughs> Approximately how long did Sophia have to fight 
All her life. All her goddamn life. Yo, <laughs> you're not even letting me get through the questions. All right, question number four. You know a cat. All right. In what city did Rosa Parks refuse to move to the back of the bus? Was it A, Tuskegee, Alabama, B, Montgomery, Alabama, C, Birmingham, Alabama, or D, Jacksonville, Mississippi? Jackson, Mississippi, excuse me. I was about to be like, does Jacksonville is in Florida? Um, Montgomery bus boycott, so Montgomery, Alabama. Yes, ma'am. Okay, see now, see now we're starting to heat up a little bit. <laughs> I see, I see. Okay. What does it mean if your ears keep itching? A, you need to wash. B, someone is talking about you. Mm -hmm. C, you, <laughs> you need to see a doctor. D, you're about to fall in love. Well, I know if your palm is itching, you're coming into some money. Mm -hmm. That's true. Um, I would say if your ears are itching, somebody's mm -hmm. talking about you. You're right. Hey. Absolutely. <laughs> We're going to switch it up. Okay. This is music, this, this, this particular category. Uh -huh. All right. If someone puts their hand up on your hip. I dip, you dip, we dip. What is the appropriate <laughs> response? <laughs> I dip, we dip, or you dip? Or is it all of the above? I dip, you dip, we, we dip. dip. Yeah. All right. Next question. Who's poor? Black and maybe even ugly, but dear God, they're still dear. here. Is it A, Nanny, Lackawanna Blues, B, Pookie, <laughs> New Jack City, mm -mm. C, Reva, Boys in the Hood, or is it D, Seely, the color Seeley, purple? Seely, the color purple. Come on home. Which, by the way, um, I still have yet to see that movie, but I know. Whoa, 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 yeah, whoa, whoa. I know, I know, I said it. I, I said it. I said it. It was said. So, so as we play Black Car Revolt, mm -hmm. throw them cars up on the table. Y'all ain't seen the color purple. I ain't seen the color purple. But you know what? I give you points for even knowing the answers colloquially. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, you, know. you with it? You with it? Okay. Next question. Next question. If they climbing through your windows, you should hide your A. Your people. Your money. B. Easter eggs. C. Kids and wife. D, television. Like I said, your people, your kids and wife, they climbing through your window, they snatching <laughs> your people up. Yo, he blew up off of the YouTube. I mean, yo, he was entertaining. Yo, my man was on BET. BET, yo. Pay him. I hope they did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gave so him a 360 contract. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we're going to do, mm, all right, we're going to do a few more. <laughs> all right. Well, he said, mm, all right. <laughs> all right, all right. Next question. Jerome from Martin is a player from A, Detroit. The Himalayas. I can't even get the, the, the multiple choice answers out. She, I don't need them. Yo, hey, first of all, that, that, is, that is a meaning thing. Because I know some black folk who do not know these questions. Which is, you know. That's I know black people who ain't never seen Martin. Absolutely. Yo. I know, you gonna pull a Kendrick Lamar? <laughs> <laughs> like when he walked out of that interview when the Oh my God, he's never seen, seen Martin. Martin. He was like, excuse me. 
then he yeah, said, yeah. I was like, all right, bet. Yo, that was real shit. <laughs> that was real shit. He was like, yeah, 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 we out. All right, next question. When grandma tells you to rinse it off, what do you, <laughs> what do you need to complete the task? A wrench, lots of salt, hot sauce, or water? Water. There it is. See, yo, okay, yo, we heating up. You got it. See you, see you on this. You got it, okay. Culturally appropriate. Culturally appropriate. Here we go. <laughs> Next question. Who wrote Lift Every Voice and Sing, a.k.a. the, the Negro, Negro National, National Anthem? Anthem. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. All right. Mm. A, Langston Hughes, this, yo, yo, we're going to escort you out the, <laughs> out the big room. <laughs> A, Langston Hughes. B, James Weldon Johnson. C, Booger T. Washington. D, Maya Angelou. James Weldon Johnson. There it is. Soul Earth and Nether Ring. All right. Ring with the harmony mm. of liberty. I feel like most black folk don't know past, like, like the first... People like, don't know past the first, but then again, <laughs> this far, the Star Spangled Banner got five verses. People only know Yo, one. we're not singing that shit. I'm just saying, people only know the first verse of all of the songs, okay? <laughs> I, remember, I remember I was sidebar. I think we were somewhere at church, and we were singing Lift Every, Lift Every Voice. And like, yo, I think like they called an audible. <laughs> and, they, and they went into the second verse. I was like... Hey, hold up. When, when, did we pack- <laughs> when, did, when did we pack practice this portion? It's not even on the song sheet. I'm like, yo, I'm like, mm-mm, mm-mm. I looked at the church finger like this. Mm-mm, honey. And I was like, yeah, mm-mm. Bathroom break, excuse me. Okay, so. It look like we got three more cars in your hand. We do, we do. Okay. We gonna do these three more. All right. In which city was Martin Luther King Jr. killed? Assassinated, rather. They say killed, I said assassinated. A, Atlanta, Georgia. B, Memphis, Tennessee. C, Washington, D.C. Or D, Birmingham, Alabama. Memphis, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. That's correct. All right. This one may be a little, this one may be, may be one of the hardest ones we've done. Okay. Okay. What year was interracial marriage legalized in the U.S.? Uh, Loving versus Virginia. Uh, give me years. 1964, 1952, 1967, excuse me. I know this case. I, I know the case. I, I would say 64. It was 67, wasn't it? It was 67. Yeah. They just made a movie, didn't they? Love yeah, it. yeah, yeah. With the... Uh, the case is Loving v. Mm-hmm. Virginia mm-hmm. about um, consanguinity. And yeah. Miscegenation, that's the word. About miscegenation. Yes. I got to check it. Uh, the, the shorty who's in the movie, I, f- I forget her name. Um, I'll rock with her, though. Yeah, you know what's really interesting about the whole Loving v. Virginia case is that the woman, though identified as black, mm-hmm. did not self-ID as black. She self-ID as na- Native American, which right. she was. Mm-hmm. She was Native American and black, but she mm-hmm. self-ID as Native American. Mm-hmm. Which is really interesting how they made it this just straight black and white issue when right. it was larger swath culture. Okay. So the last question of the night for our, our black our black ass history trivia for Black History Month. You. 
This one's full of culture. I mean, do I still get the 67 because I said the answer before you said the answer? I'll give it to you. Okay. Because you did say before I said it. Thank you. All right. <laughs> Last question. This is for the culture. Oh, Jesus. The whole culture? Whole culture. <laughs> All right. Who is Oprah's best friend? Tyler yeah. Perry. Say it one time. Yeah. There we go. Thank you. You stop my intelligence concert, Tyler Perry. Okay, you know what? I got a bonus question for oh, you. Oh, shit. Because Bruce is over here talking shit, so we... I got a bonus one. Uh-huh. Okay. According to Mama, what does it mean if she dreamt a fish last night? Somebody pregnant. There you go. Yo, <laughs> your blackness has been confirmed, reaffirmed, and uh, yo, you're the truth. And verified. You in my check. I'm yo. Verified. Hey. You have... <laughs> <laughs> Word. All the eyes. Word. Yo, I don't know how many times. Beware of the eyes. Yo. The eyes of merch. <laughs> Y'all see Bruce acting a fool. Yo, you don't. Can't you can't see him. it and you can't hear him, but he's in here wilding. Okay. It's like when you have the two little angels on your shoulder, he don't want wearing red. Yo. I had a joke. I'm going to let it cook, though. I'm just, okay. I'm it, <laughs> it didn't quite form? Yeah, yeah no, 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 I had it, I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to let it ride. It looked like Madonna without makeup. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, you know, so before the break, right, we talked about, um, largely we talked about, you know, you and your profession um, as a defense attorney. Mm-hmm. And one, I'm, I'm pretty sure, right, you have a, a, a job that is um, extensively exhaustive, right, emotionally um, intellectually, right? Yeah. And so, that being said, what do you do for yourself? Like, what are your self-care regimens? Oi. <laughs> like, how do you, you know, how do you decompress? I drink whiskey. I'm kidding. What kind? I, I, I'm kidding. But but I do. I do <laughs> drink whiskey. It, it's not self-care. I just do you just enjoy. Just do enjoy straight whiskey. up on the rocks? How you take it? Um, I, I actually like it with pineapple. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Whiskey and pineapple. Okay. I haven't. I haven't. I haven't, I haven't tried Most that. Most people haven't, but they do, and they're like, "Huh." Okay. I like the way okay. it brings okay. out the undertones. Okay. But when I say whiskey, I like my whiskeys. I like my bourbons. I like mm. my scotch. Okay. All um, right. Look at you. Eh. I'm a girl from the south. We southern out here. Okay. Um, but but in reality, self care for me looks like maintaining relationships with people. Mm-hmm. Um. Not like disappearing from people's lives. Uh, I do yoga. Okay. I go to the gym. <laughs> um, and I write. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of hobbies. I crochet and I knit. Oh, um, shoot. Yeah. I want I need a hoodie. A crocheted hoodie. <laughs> Get you on Etsy. <laughs> Yo, you keep bringing up old shit. Yo, what y'all don't know, sidebar. <laughs> I have a crew neck on, all right? It says Watercolor Sounds is from my production company. Fancy. I, yo, I made this mug smooth minute ago. Every time I wear it, Bruce likes to come out his ass to talk about, where my shirt at, though? Where mine at? Sidebar to the sidebar, Bruce has already paid for said <laughs> and it has been half a decade since payment was effectuated Yo. and Jerry has not given hold up, him hold said up, sweatshirt <laughs> yo I got you though yo hey next time I touch down in Arizona I got you just yo 
Just let me know your size. I got you. You should know that from the original order. Yeah, nah. From five years ago. Like you said, it was five years ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> got your back, Bruce. You are a writer. You're also mm -hmm. a photographer. Mm -hmm. And so let's, uh, let's get into that. So I be making art and shit. And that's dope. We need that. We need it. You know what I'm saying? You be dropping poems on the, you know, on the timeline. I, that's not like, that's like stream of consciousness shit. Like, that's not me sitting down and writing something and then going back and editing something. That's not mm -hmm. what that is. Um, I don't write poetry as much as I used to, which feels kind of like a misnomer. Uh -huh. Because um, <laughs> my online moniker is Eve the Poet. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but we were talking about this during the break. I'm working on a novel. Yes. Tell me about and that. And it is not the great American novel. It is a romance novel. Mm. Because I love romance novels. Um, Why is that? Because you know how they're going to end. <laughs> and you know the happy ending is coming. And you get to see the characters kind of like at their lowest and also at their highest, which right. is like a beautiful thing. It's a small microcosm of like what life is like, but in a much more sped up way, yeah. right? Right. Um, but what I tend to find is that romance novels about black people fall into two categories. Mm. Um, they're either kind of like urban erotica, which is cool. Right. Like, it's, it's cool. Like, I haven't read, it, right? I, I haven't read much. Uh, you know, your Zanes, erotica. your Eric Trom Dickies, right. your Elon Harris kind of does like urban erotica, right? Whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. Eric Trom Dickey is uh, considered erotica? Eric Trom Dickey has written some urban erotica. Okay, because I'm like, yo, I read mad Eric Trom Dickey back in the day. Like, they used to have them in like, our school libraries. They had Zane up in there, too. Yo, like Milk and My Coffee, Liar's Game, Cheaters. Yo, er hey. Cheaters didn't feel like erotica to you? Ah, I mean, it was, you know, she was a little extra, but... <laughs> <laughs> okay, for like, but I know Zane definitely falls sure. into the category. Yeah, yeah. She self-identifies as an yeah. erotica writer, right? But then you have like the flip side, which are kind of like the Christian-based romance novels, yeah. like your Brenda Jacksons, <laughs> yeah. and and those are cool. I actually really love Brenda Jackson. She's one of my favorite like romance novelists. She mm -hmm. has like this whole like Madeira's family kind of books. Everything's intertwined. You yeah. follow the characters, and it's great. But what I tend to not find a lot is stuff that I find in like white writers, which mm -hmm. is like romantic suspense or mm -hmm. contemporary romance novels where it's like heavy on plot, but also like heavy on characters that fuck. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know what? Black people fall in love and then they fuck. Right. And sometimes they it's fuck a real expression for us too. Yeah. It but sometimes yeah. they fuck and don't fall in love. And then they meet somebody yeah. that they fall in love with because that's some real shit. Yeah. It's about like exploring what blackness and love looks like mm -hmm. outside of these two rigid categories right. of either over sexualized or under sexualized. Uh -huh. Like I don't want to write the romance novel where people are like, and he inserted himself inside of her. Yeah. I, like, I hate I wanna, reading shit like that. Yeah. I want to read the novel like I read when it's like the characters are milky white with red hair and green eyes. Yeah. But it's like, and he. You know, and he fucked her. And like, <laughs> and he ran his dick along her like lips. It's like, what? Yo. Yeah. Black people do that shit. You, you know right. black people. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also kind of like writing about characters that are that feel real, right? right? Like that feel human. Yeah. And, and characters relatable. that like they go through relationship trouble that's not like 
the stereotypical, which does happen, but my problem is like it, it becomes the only kind of like hallmark. Baby yeah. mama this, baby mama that, pop out of this, somebody come out of jail. Which again, it happens, and that's yeah. part of the culture, and that's cool. But also, like, you know, I like moved to New York to follow my dream of you know making music and making art, and I meet this girl who works at uh-huh. a museum, and she's a curator, and then we get together. Those people exist, and they deserve yeah. to have novels written about Yo, them too. You, you, <laughs> you very, very closely and almost very clearly. Um, might have uh, just defined my one of my last relationship situations, but uh, you know maybe if you read my novel. <laughs> but but <laughs> as 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 we have said throughout the course of uh, this episode, we're gonna say less. <laughs> say less. <laughs> I mean, my romance novel um, is it's one of those like one who got away. That's like the plot of it. Like a lot of my two life years too. later, he comes back to get his girl. Because he found out he made a huge mistake in letting her get away. Yeah. Mm, that's not my life. Don't come back. Please don't come back. Really? Spot's taken. It's done. Don't come back. See, seat's taken. You can't sit with us. No, no. I, th- this life is a two-seater. Mm. I have a Miata. <laughs> <laughs> the seat has been taken. Um, I'm not even stopping. If you have your thumb out on the side of the road. Yeah. Sure. Let's keep moving. Skirt. I'm kidding, but not really. The seat is, in fact, taken. You talk a lot about love and relationships. Yeah. It's like the um, purest form of activism, man. Really? Yeah. Break that down for me. The idea of, like, with all of this shit going on in the world, mm-hmm. to open yourself up to the idea of sharing time and space mm-hmm. with another human being yeah. and being vulnerable, yeah. how is that not so pure and beautiful? Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, it's it's very revolutionary for me. Yeah, I think for all those who are honest about it, right. it is right. Like mm-hmm. this idea of what like love is like when it's healthy and mm-hmm. good. Because I feel yeah, because I feel like at that right, it can be, it can be both you know fantastical, and you know also be very, very tangible. Yeah. At the same time, like but, preface, when it's healthy. Yeah, when and that's healthy and, and, good, and that's right? and that's the difference. Because sometimes it could be healthy, but it's not good. And by not mm. good, meaning like it's just it's not. You don't fit. Neither of y'all are in the right place. Yeah. Um, and fit. it could be good, right? Like it feels like this is oh, uh, but it's not healthy. Yeah. Because half the time you feel like on cloud fucking nine, yeah. and the other half you're like, holy shit, this person. Uh, mm-hmm. nobody should feel that way in relationships, right? No. So, it's finding the place where it's healthy and mm-hmm. good. But it's also maintaining that. Yeah, you and can't just like stop right, by. Right, 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 right. <laughs> no, relationships require work. It requires effort. I, right. I, I like the word effort over the word work, work, right? Because work makes it feel like an obligation. Nobody's mm. obligated right. to treat you right. Sure. Um, but the idea of effort, mm-hmm. effort is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Effort is sexy. It is, I was about to say, it is sexy. There right? is, oh my God, there is something just like amazingly sexy about effort. Yeah, somebody trying. About putting forth the energy, the intentionality. Like for me, what moves me is a woman's intentionality with yeah. me. Yeah. Like not just, the, not just the way, it's not how you say things, but the way in which you say things. Like Absolutely. when you say these things, when you do these things. And um, it's also like somebody taking into account 
things you've said, things you've mentioned, and you're right. like, holy shit, you yeah. remember that? You listen. Yeah. You care. Like, And that just feels so good. Right. When something you mentioned offhand, uh-huh. um, I'm seeing somebody that remembered my favorite flowers that oh, wow. like mentioned like a while ago when yeah. me and him weren't even talking. We were just friends. Yeah, yeah. I mentioned like I love sunflowers. Yeah, yeah. And then he was like, yeah, sunflowers, right? Like we were just talking. I was like, yeah, I want to get some flowers from the house, you know, but mm. they didn't have any of my favorites. He was like, they didn't have sunflowers? I was like, oh. what? Hey. Mm. Uh, that was a mood. Yeah. That was a I was mood. Like, Cheesy. <laughs> Fake dimples all over the place. It was yeah. dope. Um, remembering random shit, that's mm. sexy. It is. See, I'm, I'm kind of having like just like this, this approach to, to dating, whereas now I'm like, your relationships need to be equal parts reciprocal. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, they, they always should be. And mainly... Especially in the beginning. Yes. Yeah. You know, and, and I know, and I, I can't speak for everybody. I, I know I've been in relationships, right, that have looked very one-sided. Um, and I, I, can, I can even keep it a buck and be like, I've been in relationships also where maybe I've been the person that was one-sided or yeah. responsible for um, the imbalance. I, so when I was in law school, I thought I was in love with somebody. Um, I probably was a little bit, but I remember when we broke up, I wrote like, like this breakup poem mm-hmm. when I was talking about like there was so much blue in our one-sided like mm-hmm. i i messages. It felt mm-hmm. like a Coltrane album, mm-hmm. right? And <laughs> it was like that, but but that was some poetry shit for yeah, y'all. Yeah, it was. It was a poem. Um, but it was kind of like this, this, you set the tone about what you expect. Yeah. And if you're always the one, like in the beginning, you set the tone for what you expect this relationship to be. Mm -hmm. So like, if this person isn't hitting you up, like that's the hint. Yeah. Mm. And that's a tough one, right? If you're really feeling somebody, you want to spend time with Mm -hmm. them and you want to see them, but then they got accustomed to that shit. It's a tactic ego too. mm -hmm. You know, and and I think it's also being honest with yourself. Yeah. Like, yo, like that shit hurts. Or like my feel, my feelings are hurt. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And, and I think I that's think, a tough one because people treat and by people I just mean us, like yeah. the royal we, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Relationships like this battle, right? right. Somebody got to win, yeah. right? And can't show weakness. You can't show that you're hurt. You laugh right. everything off. But mm-hmm. how the fuck is that supposed to be building yo, something yo, real? It helps nobody. In 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 fact, like it's 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 really emotionally crippling. Oh yeah. Um, but we're all emotional cripples. <laughs> that's real. And no, just finding, that's real. You know, just somebody who's <laughs> right, right, who's able to help that counterbalance. Yeah, but but there's also kind of this idea of like you set the tone from the beginning, mm-hmm. but then shit happens. And it will. Yeah, it could be like yeah. for me, it could be like, oh, when we first start talking, everything's cool, mm-hmm. blah blah blah. I'm not busy. I have a lot of time, and then I start a trial. Mm. And then the trial goes on for a little bit. Yeah. And before the trial starts, I'm prepping for the trial. So I'm in the office mad late. I'm like going on weekend meetings with clients. Yeah. I'm going out to the scene to see things. I'm doing all this stuff. And then now, you know, the girl that used to hit you up and be like, hey, real mm-hmm. cute in the middle of the day. Yeah. She's like, right. she's in pit bull mode You now. can't be that right now. Mm-hmm. And that but, has to be okay but, too. But peep though, right? So, and, and you're right. I agree. That has to be okay. But part of the relationship building in there is also being able to communicate effectively mm-hmm. and, artic- and, and, and be able to articulate like, hey, this is happening. This thing is, you know, this thing yeah, is yeah. shifting. Heads up, this is. Heads up, right? So that one, the other person still feels as though they are concerned there at effort. Absolutely. And that's my thing. 
across all relationships, you know, now, once again, I'm going to say less. <laughs> <laughs> but, yo, I'm very easy to love, right? That's real. I'm very Be real about you. Yo, yo, I'm very, yo, I'm very low maintenance. I like to think so. Now, Be real about you. You know what I'm saying? All you have to do for me is let me know that you care. That's it. Yo, I don't need to be a priority. Right? Really? I'm 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 a, I'm expounding that. Not on the list. Hold on, hold on, hold okay. on. Let me let me expound on that, okay? So let's say you have, you know, um you know, a a a a, a of just different things happening, right? Like you're maybe, you know, you just got to do gig, uh you're in school, you know, there's there's just, you know, just a whole lot of other things, right? Mm-hmm. I'm okay playing the back, right? I don't have to be the priority. Oh no! But Mm-mm. but make me but but make me feel like I'm a concern though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's so like that's where I'm. So I'm not saying like yo, you need to put all your energy into Jerry. Like no, that that's what I'm saying. I'm saying because yo, I just want to support your dreams and rub your booty. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> like. <laughs> Like that's, that's you know what I'm saying. At the end of the night, like that's all. That's really what it is. Like, and, I, and I'm okay, I'm okay playing that position, right? I want to allow you the space to do these things that you need to do. But why that's happening? Yo, check in. Let me know. Yo. I mean, the way that I think about it is, if I'm not on the board, you gotta cut me off, mm-hmm. so I could find somebody that I could be on the board for. Yeah. Like if I'm if I'm on the bench in your life, mm-hmm. right? And I'm a bench player. I don't need to be here. Trade me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because we all have a finite amount of time on this earth. For sure. And we do not know when our life strings will be cut. It's very limited. And there is no reason why you should be keeping my ass around if Mm -hmm. you are not ready for me to be around. That's real. If you don't have time and space and energy to give me to fit into some some part of your life, right? Mm-hmm. But it's also about like what expectations are and what people are able to give. Because I've been in relationships, well, for lack of a better word, relationships, right? Situationships. Um, whatever those ships may mm. be, you know, broken ships, <laughs> um, where it's like somebody could be filming you yeah. and they think you're dope, but they just don't have the time and energy to put toward you. But yeah. what I tend to find is like some people will realize that and be like, yo, I can't do this. Right. Mm-hmm. No hard feelings. And, and that's yeah. okay. Like, it might hurt your feelings in the yeah. beginning, but there's no hard feelings. Like, you mm. don't hold that. Yeah. But then there are the yeah. people that know. Yeah. I don't have time or energy for and this person right on. now. They but they're like, nah. Mm-mm. Too good to, too good to let go. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And, and I think we've and all been. And that's when she gets ill. Yeah. We've all been in that position where mm-hmm. we've been shelved, right? Like, somebody's putting, like, they wrap you in, in aluminum and foil, foil. safe for later. <laughs> in, in the freezer. They, exactly. They, yeah. You and, and you're like, you cool like, I'm, I'm dope I'm the right. Shit. Like, yo, like. Like, I am a brand new apple pie. Yeah. I should be out here My shit is on fresh. the windowsill. Like, yeah. I think I was tweeting about that a few days ago. <laughs> <laughs> I had, like, some people in my mentions, like, yo, triggered. Like, <laughs> 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 my bad. But it, it happens to the best of us on both right. sides of the equation. Like, Definitely. you've either shelved or been shelved. Right, right. Um, it's a real, I mean, it happens. It happens. Just gotta um, talk to people. Yo, and, and, say what and, you mean and, to and me then also, you know, as, as a, you know, a good friend of mine. Um, yo, he said, you have, yo, you got to respect the curve. 
Yeah. Yo, you respect the curve. And but once again, yo, that shit hurts though. Yeah. You take yo, you take that, yo, you take that shit on the chin, you keep it moving, B. Like K-I-M, keep it moving. Like, you know what I, I mean? mean I, I've had to do yo, that. Yo, I'm days. saying, I've I've had, you know, those moments where, you know, I'm in the room, you know, let the music play, you know, and just hey, that shit hurt. You know, uh, <laughs> the worst part though is the no explanation curve. Oh man. Like Yo, I thought we was feeling each other. Where we did was, it go yeah, wrong? Right. right. Like, what happened? <laughs> what happened? Because, because yo, you just went zero dark 30. Yeah. And you ghosted. And it's like, oh, shit. Yo, what was that? I thought we was here. <laughs> I thought In I, New York, that's, I feel like that, that happens <laughs> quite a bit. And then you'll run into them and, like, you know, kinfolk. Or yeah, 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 <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yo, what's up? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> because cause, cause out here... Yo, it's yo circles intersect. Mm-hmm. Like I tell people all the time, cats back home. Like yo, like yes, like New York is like large, but yo, it's a very it's very small planet, dog. Especially if you're into like the scene. Yeah. If you all if y'all if y'all circulate the same scene, yo, y'all gonna run if into each other. Y'all are into the same shit. Like you yeah. guys are both artists. It is. Yeah, 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 time. yeah. The circle's small, yo. Like the circle's small. Poets date. Woof. Yo, I haven't dated, and I'm using air quotes. <laughs> he is. <laughs> A poet. Um, we'll just leave it at that. There, there's a difference between dating poets and dating poets on scene, though. That's yeah. But again, yeah, yeah. Say less. Say less. Um. I like that. <laughs> Yo, that's the shit. Um, okay, so I kind of want to pivot because we going we can. I feel like we can. We, deep. we can rap about relationships. Um, I kind of want to pivot back to. <laughs> hey. All right. Okay. <laughs> so into um, the writing. Right, I kind of want to steer back to that. Oy. For you as a writer, as a poet, and I guess even as a fledgling mm-hmm. novelist, Purgeoning novelist. Um, do you feel that it's easier for you to write under moments of intense emotional distress, heartbreak, trauma? Um, is it easier, or do you prefer to write in those periods as opposed to quote unquote, shit is sweet, things are better. Because I have these conversations with a lot of different poets and it's like, you know, of course, it's easy to write when like you're in the thick of it. Well, I think... But it's also hard. Like, 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 mm-hmm. as, a, like as a musician or as a, as a writer, right, a lot of times, like I'm in it. So where I may be able to like stretch out of it just enough to maybe write something, I have to go through it and look at it sometimes like in the retrospect and tap into those feelings and emotions to be able to expound on them? Well, I think it depends on what you use writing for. Okay. So if you use writing as a cure, Mm -hmm. like writing as a reaction, then when bad things happen, that is the place you go to. That is a safe space for you. Sure. If you are a writer as a profession, as in that is your job, Mm -hmm. is to write and to create content that is important for people to read, to Mm -hmm. take in. You write all the time, whenever. Mm -hmm. That is what you do. You write when you don't feel like writing. You write when you think all of your ideas suck. Mm -hmm. You write when when what you feel is writer's block, but there's really no such thing. It's just like, I'm uninspired, right? Right. So that's not writer's block. But this idea of kind of like sitting around and waiting for inspiration, Mm -hmm. you're not a writer, you're a content creator. Mm. Um, Mm. Okay. So, mm. if you're calling yourself a writer, you write. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Um, 
for me, certain art forms are easier than others, right? When, when it sure. comes to writing poems, I don't consider myself a writer. I consider myself an artist. Mm. So for me, really? I, tap into, I tap into things that are emotionally available for me when it comes to poetry. Mm-hmm. When I'm writing, just writing, and I'm writing fiction, I'm writing nonfiction, I just write yeah. all the time. Like, I write when I don't feel like writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think artists tend to be content creators, and writers are writers. Sure. See, I, I, Unpopular I, opinion. So I'm going to chew on that. I'm going to chew on that because where, where and, and not to take anything away from, from those of us who are content creators, mm-hmm. right? But just personally, I, I know that I, I do challenge or I struggle between like, yo, like, I'm a poet, but am I a poet but am I, or am I a writer? Right? Get you a Jerry who can do both. Get you a Jerry who can do both, right? Cause, because I do write. Mm-hmm. Things outside of poetry. Yeah. Right. But I know innately I'm a poet. That's what well, I do. I, I know poets that are that write books of poems that are published and that is what they do for a living, right? And the amount of time it takes for them to get to a body of work to put mm-hmm. that together, that's not like just those are not all from experiences that they have. They right. don't wait to see what happens to them along the course of a year or two, how many times they can get their heart broken yeah. to come up with a book of love poems, right? right. I, I don't right, think right. that's how Neruda yeah. did it, no. right? <laughs> so it's, I think when you're a poet, you might be inspired mm. in a very deep way by things that happen to you in a way that would be different for people that don't go to that place for healing. Sure. But I think poets write whenever. For sure, for sure. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's, I find poetry to be both, you know, reactionary and therapeutic. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's many parts. It's many parts. Yeah, it is. Like, I wrote, um, so I performed, well, a lot, not really performed, but I, I, I read a poem that I wrote at my father's memorial. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably never going to read that ever again somewhere Mm -hmm. but for me that was like my part my contribution to that moment to be in that space yeah um but like i've written poems about my dad before that had nothing to do with like a deep heavy space like Mm -hmm. um i don't particularly find it easier to write when i'm emotional Mm -hmm. um i think it's more of a compulsion like i feel like i have to um like gotta get this out gotta push out this energy And right. less of like this active, I'm going to be a writer now and tap into this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, when I'm on stage, like and I'm performing poetry, it's more about getting into the story, taking yourself mm-hmm. to a space to draw into that emotion, mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. like method acting, yeah, right? Definitely. Um, no, it, it, I think the performance aspect is more about that for me than the writing as- aspect. Yeah. Um, but you know, I don't be writing poems no more. No, you do. <laughs> I be reading them. In fact, Yo, what you about to do? In fact, aye, aye, aye. I got a thread of, of uh, what I would perceive as poetry. Oh, yeah, yeah. It may not be poetry, but it's some poetic shit. I don't even know where he got them from, so who know? Um, who know what's about to happen? I'm trying to see which, which part of here that what you done did. I want to read. And actually, this kind of, this um, you know, it's an intersection between what we just previously talked about between writing, love, dating, and relationships. And, um, yo, I, I want to read it, but I don't know whose mama is going to listen 
to this episode. Oh, <laughs> Actually, I want you to read it. I know what you. Because these are your words. I know what you about. To and say. then I want to talk about this as a concept because this happens very often, very frequently, amongst people. Oh, you're not gonna read it. I mean, I could read it. I could read. It. I'm. Hey, I'm. I'm jiggy. I'm. I'm. I'm deli. <laughs> okay. Okay. So these are your words, right? <laughs> you see how you want to <laughs> let the crowd know. I ain't right this, mama. Yo. I ain't right this, dad. Come on, pops, this one me. All right. Come on, <clears throat> sis, this one me. Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Play this one nine hundred voice song. Yeah, hey, you know what I'm saying? Hey, yo. Getting the crowd ready. So I, I want to make sure that my my talking voice is, is silky. Like I'm so, silky, like smooth, like I'm some like, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm some like Beyonce yo. playing Tina Turner. <laughs> you know, sometimes yo, we want to make it nice. Like, and I, I want my easy. shit smooth. Like yeah, I wanted to sound like Savion Glover, like tap dancing. Like I nah, want. I, I gotta want, be like honey. <laughs> yo, you, <laughs> you sound like. <laughs> I don't talk like that for real. <laughs> I talk like this for real. Yo. We're like, what? Who is that? Yeah, that, yeah, that, that, that South coming out. <laughs> All right. That's not Southern. That's Flower. country. Okay. So <laughs> here we go. And so you said, so I, I saw this and I was like, yo, yeah, I'm going to have to bring this up. Because this is some real shit. So you like her. I mean, like her. She's cute, makes you laugh, feels like home. Her pussy curves to the shape of your dick. That's yours. But you want to live the life a little. She's dope as fuck, but not yet. She it. But the timing, nah. So you tell yourself, I'm going to put her aside real quick. I'm going to be right back. This don't feel like faulty logic to you. You think you the only one with eyes. The question begs asking, lot. Lots of folk missing out on their one because their math is off and they took the under. Yo, that was poetry, dog. It wasn't supposed to be. Yo. I'll be honest. That wasn't supposed to be. That was poetry, dog. It it is when you read it. And it's some smooth shit. And I was like, yo, she's saying a few things here. Specifically, I want to hop. I was referencing the best man when it comes to that line. Yeah, yeah, yo, yo. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because a pussy curves in the shape of my. Yo. I want to highlight the question begs asking. Lots of folk missing out on their one because their math is off and they took the under. I don't be gambling, mama. That's, I, mm. I know what the under is because mm-hmm. uh, uh, uh. plead the fifth. I mean. Expound on that. You never, you never had somebody hit you up like you was the one that got away? I have. See? Yes. Yes, I have. And that's because when you were together, they didn't treat you like you needed to be treated, right? Right. And -hmm. the reason that they probably did that was because they loved everything that you were about, but they weren't ready for what it meant, Mm -hmm. right? So they let you go. That's difficult to reconcile with, though, too. Yeah. Right? When they do hit you at, you know, that midnight hour on some... Yo, yo, on some Jill Scott shit, like, married? You married? I I mean... Yo, I was gonna be right I back. I was gonna be right back. You know what this was? Yeah. Yo. 
But it, it, it's like that's when I was talking about <laughs> earlier that there were people in my in my mentions like, yo, triggered. I mean, it it's reality. Yeah. Like, cause if you come across a dope person, yeah, and this person is so amazing in your eyes that you are not falling in love, but you stumbling like shit. Yeah. You getting there. Yeah, you walking all over your feet. You're yeah. like, wow. Nose is open, as the old folks say. It's yeah. nose wide But open. like you're also thinking about like, I ain't ready for what that mean though. Yeah. And that's real. Mm-hmm. That's entirely real. Um, but like, can't like, you know, you think you're the only one with right. eyes? Like you mm-hmm. think you're the only one that can see how amazing that, that person is. Yeah. You don't think it's backdoor season. Like, ain't right. somebody gonna come right yo, through the back door when you yo. walk out the front, like, hey, what's up? Yo, niggas on the low, like, yo, this nigga slip up? I'm in there. On either end of the aisle. Yeah. Because, but but I guess we can always say outside looking in, or, you know, we can always be like, yo, like, you got a good situation. Like, you about to fuck up your own promotion on some bullshit. Yeah. But sometimes it's not bullshit. Sometimes it's just, like, it's reality that you are not ready. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think anybody is ever ready. Mm. Mm. You could be closer do we, than some parts. But do do we ever become ready, like together? No. Like nobody is ever ready for what it entails to okay. be committed to another human being. Okay. You can't do all of the math to all see right. how it's gonna work out. Right. There's a certain amount of just there's no there's no crystal the ball. Taking steps off the ledge and right. seeing where the fuck you land. Yeah. They don't call it walking into love. Right. They call oh, it falling, falling in love. Correct. Right? Like it they don't call it, you know. I want to rise in love though. I don't want to fall. I want to rise in love cuz cuz I'm, you know, I'm a romantic. I'm sorry to tell you that, Shadi, but it's a lot of free falling. Yo, it is though. It is though. But So like the only way, you rise out of the ashes. So maybe yo, like uh, it's plenty. Some, Pl- I, yeah, I, but like you're falling. I feel no, no. I I, I feel you though. And it's I do this idea that. of not knowing exactly how things are gonna work right. out, but doing it anyway. But right? I think like, to that point, it's a trust exercise. It's a trust exercise. It's and sometimes also, motherfuckers don't catch up. Right. Yo, there's a lot of vulnerability involved in that. I think you have to be willing to be okay with that too. And 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 a lot of people aren't. A lot of people aren't okay being being out of control in that in that space. Yeah, that's reality. But I tell you what, I know I want it. Do you? I, I do. I know cool. about it. Step one. Yo, I mean, <laughs> but yo, I mean, that's that's yo, that's never been an issue for me. In fact, I have I have this the saying that I say, and actually, my man, he said it at his wedding when he married his wife, right? And and I've said this for years. The motto is, find the right woman, fall madly in love, bow lie gracefully. Now, in theory, that sounds very easy. Mm-hmm. In the actual, I know it's not right because there's a lot of different. There's a lot of different parts, a lot like of elements. yeah, 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 like yeah. that that happened in between there, right? But but one of but, them, somebody gets sick, somebody loses right. a job, somebody's yeah. parent passes For away, sure. like big, 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 mm. big, big things. Mm-hmm. Life, yeah. life is the yeah. <laughs> but at the core, I know, like yo, like this is this is what I want. Like I'm I'm okay with that. Like the white picket fence, two point five kids, like that's dope. You know what I'm saying? I, I know that about myself though, and so yeah. I've I've always felt emotionally on that trajectory to to be able to. Um, find a partner that one that doesn't complete me because I don't need completion. Um, I feel like you shouldn't look for someone for completion. You want a compliment. I want a right? compliment mm-hmm. exactly, right? So I want someone who is going to compliment 
my parts. And, yeah. and, and once again, it goes back, equal parts, reciprocity. You know, I get that. And um, I'm with it. You know, I think it, it, it's, it's an easy, hard goal. It, it is. It is. It is. I think once you find it's, the pieces, like, that part makes sense. Mm-hmm. But it's still hard. So I, I got a question for you. Yeah. How, for you, okay, how long have you been in New York? Oof. Second year? Second Okay, so, yeah. so cool. We've been here about the same amount of time. Yeah. Two years, right? How difficult is dating in <laughs> Yo, how ill is dating in New York for um, you? Especially as a woman, because I feel like as a woman, it's a little bit more varied and nuanced than it is for, <laughs> for me. Though I will tell you, like, shit's difficult, but I know it's, there's, there's a lot more layers to it for you. Is an endeavor. Well, it was an endeavor, and I have friends that mm-hmm. it. So over the summer, um, I told myself I was gonna do the whole, try new things, Eve. Meet new people, Eve. So like yeah. I like got like on Tinder, mistake. Really? Oh my god. Because I've been on I've been on Tinder, oh. I've been on Soul Swipe, I've been on. See, I didn't do all those. I've been on Bumble. I didn't do all those. I've like, been on Instagram. Me, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, not even unfortunately. I, I think it's a lot easier to meet people on Twitter than it is to meet on For other sure. places. Yeah, because you get a lot of the awkward shit out of the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're having full conversations. Right. And these people are not only talking to you, you see how they right. how they move interact with right. other people. More right? or less like um, I know I know how like your like your ideology functions yeah. to some degree. You could tell if somebody's a Trump voter before your word. you let them buy and, you dinner. And, and you get them um, you get them clean the fuck out the paint. Yeah, no thank you. Don't waste my time, don't waste yours. Um. Yeah, that was that was an interesting endeavor. Okay. Um, so what? So what made it like a terrible experience? Just like Tinder. Ugh. Personally, I've had no luck on Tinder. Like absolutely no no luck. Like I've I've gone on dates. Like I I went on a lot of first dates. Yo, I've gone on no dates from Tinder. I get no love, fam. Like I've you got gotta, like up your profile. Yo, <laughs> I'm yo. Now B was saying he's like yo, it's a numbers game. It's a numbers game. Oh, you don't swipe enough. Is I that don't swipe enough, but I'm also very picky. There's also a lot of white women on, on Tinder. And, 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 and when do and you get on Tinder? When you at home or when you at work? Both. See, the problem is you work in Soho. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> <laughs> but hold up. I, get I to Brooklyn, yo, fam. <laughs> I, I, I kind of want to put a caveat. There's nothing against white women. You don't date white women. I just though. don't date white women. Yeah. Um, it just, yo... It so just, stop swiping when you're on in Soho. It just hasn't happened. But <laughs> I keep it. I, I I keep it a buck though. When I am in Brooklyn, it's still it's still like that. Which is why you I, live in the sty. That's my yeah, territory yeah. now, bro. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is why I got come to Flatbush. Yeah, oh my gosh. <laughs> gotta 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 go up to Jamaica and Brooklyn. Caribbean Brooklyn, Yo. but but that's why I got on Soul Swipe because it's 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 prim- geared towards it's, it's people primarily of color, right? and majorly people I, of color. I don't know, man. I feel like the only way to actually be like young black dating in New York uh-huh. is just to be introduced to people by other people, and that's what everyone tells me. Right? And or to go mm-hmm. to events 
which are densely populated with right. people that, that are, already are on into those, the things that you are into. They're already on the same wave. I yeah. agree with that. I, I think that sure. that's really the only way to do it. Mm-hmm. Or either, you end up dating somebody that you already befriended, which takes away like a lot of the first steps. The allure. Yeah, of the, okay. that's what I did. <laughs> Your face, though. Oh, sure. <laughs> <sighs> Damn. Yeah, that's that was easy. Easy. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, I meet a lot of people via Twitter, via Instagram. Yeah. And I feel like more or less, I feel like I have more success. I don't want to. It's like a test, but like, you know, meeting and engaging with people like in those spaces and yeah. being like, yo, like, yo, let's break bread. Because the dating like, spaces are like mad weird because you never know Especially what people are on York. there for. Like, yeah. are they on there for a hookup? Are they on there for this? Are they on there for that? Are they on there for a gag? Like, this is just on yo, some fun shit, Yo, right? I had a shorty fam. <laughs> shorty on one of these. Should we even be recording this? this <laughs> yes. Like, yes, we should. This is going to be the longest fucking podcast. It's if gonna, you are still listening. Thank you for being here. We're going to wrap up very shortly. <laughs> but I, but I, I just have to know. Yo, there are people on these dating apps promoting their mixtapes, fam. Like, I saw this shorty, she was like, yo, I'm just here to promote my album. She was like, yo, download it. I'm I like, mean, that's real. I mean, Remember during yo, the election, all like real. the Bernie bros <laughs> were on Tinder? Yo, what? Yeah, they were on Tinder telling people, like, people would swipe on them and be like, vote for Bernie Sanders. Yo, that's some weird shit. Don't do that. Because <laughs> niggas is on here, like, really trying to, like, you know, Try to find love. go home to some cakes at night. Like... The same thing as trying to find love. I mean, if, if no. Cakes you want, bro. Like and like, I conflated the two. But what I'm saying is that <laughs> w- what I'm what I'm trying to say is that, yo, <laughs> hey, I want love and I want cakes. I mean, I feel like those two come together. They should. <laughs> <laughs> yo, we getting into like a whole podcast after dark. Yo, this is it. Yo, I, I don't know. I think New York, just because of the way that things are, like, spread out. You got interborough like, dating. Like, imagine you meet somebody, like, you, right? Yeah. And you meet this girl, and she's, like, dope. And you're, like, wow, we're clicking on all cylinders. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. shit is amazing. Wow, I just want to kiss your face all the time. Uh-huh. And you make me laugh, and this is amazing. We're on the same wavelength. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, the first date, and you don't even know. And it's, like, wow, mm-hmm. we went from place one to place two to place three, and now we're about to, like, leave for the night. So where are you about to go? You want to take the train together? And she like, oh, no, I got to get on the E to go to Queens. Oh, yo, and then your whole world just falls down. It explodes. Because you're like, how the fuck am I ever going to see you? Exactly. And then it's like, all right, yo, I live in the sty. I'm in Brooklyn. Yo, you live way uptown. B, you live uptown and over. You live in Yonkers. How's that going to work? Yo. Like, the idea of I mean, kind of like you can't even do that. Oh, like I'm gonna crash at your place and then go from your place to work because that's like inconvenient. You Unless you both work in a city, if you yeah, both, then it, it's like equally inconvenient for it, the both of them. <laughs> if if you but but it, it forces things to move a lot faster sure. than they normally would, right? right? If somebody lives in Yonkers and you live in Brooklyn, you're like yo, I'm not even rocking with you. I just they end up, up like you end up doing overnights much quicker than you were planning you on doing, yeah. right? Right. Because it's like it becomes convenient. It's a long distance relationship. Yeah. No, it it's is. Like somebody it is. From DC to come hang out with you, right? Like, so, so, so to, then to that end, like, are you against interborough dating or outer borough dating, rather? Excuse me, not inter. I done I, did it. I I I tried it okay. in New York. Um, like from like what, like Brooklyn to like. Manhattan. Brooklyn to Queens. Brooklyn to Queens. I never went to Queens. My house was real convenient. But 
I don't know. I'm not against it. I think it's just it's it's difficult. Right. It's just another added component. Because of course, once again, where I'm from, right, and same where you're from, like we drive. Yeah. So so like. And there's parking. Yep. Exactly. Right. So if I'm there, so like you know, if I like say in Phoenix, I lived I live off the 40 block. I live downtown Phoenix, right. If Shorty lived maybe like 30, 40 minutes away, it's nothing. I hop on the I hop on the highway. I'm in the whip. Yeah, I'm get over there. It's nothing, right? Everything is everything's a little more central. Yeah. But but because we also have vehicles. Whereas here, you got to take into consideration, like, all right, yo, if Shorty live, yo, I just came from seeing my homie, shout out to E, shout out to Jeremy. I just came up seeing my homies from Uptown. Like, they were on, like, 100 and, like, 53rd Harlem, right? Yo, I live in Brooklyn. It takes an hour 15. On the weekend? On the weekend, right? Shit. On the weekend just to get uptown. It's an hour 15 plus. Let's not even add in any kind of complications, construction, you know, fires and tra trash, whatever, right? So it, it yeah, and then you got to figure out like if there's an emergency, mm -hmm. and I got a cab from your place to mine. Yeah. What's that gonna cost? What's, me? what's that looks like? A buck. Yo, when the pool is fifty dollars. Yo, shit is, shit is messed up. You gotta like start doing calculations. So <laughs> how attached are you to your borough? Cause you know how like long distance relationships, the first question yeah, is who's gonna move? Yo, yo, who's the one? <laughs> who's the one moving? In New York, yeah, it is. It's like yo, so. Yo, I Just think, so you know, I think you should. Words, yeah. I think you should come, and I feel that way. I feel like. But then again, that forces things to move faster than they would right. normally move. Right. Right. Like, it's much more heightened. Absolutely. Because I tell you what, I'm not leaving Brooklyn anytime soon. So I know oh. if I meet a shorty, either she's in Brooklyn, or she coming to. Or Brooklyn. she coming to Brooklyn, because it's like, yo, I'm not. I'm not leaving. Uh -huh. And then gets the people like up here, like because rent is so high, folks stay with their right. parents a lot longer than they do. Right, 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 right. Than from where I'm from. And then you got the added the, oh, well, I live in Queens, but I stay with like my mom's. Like, yeah. you can come through. What? Right. right. No, uh, uh, uh. No, I got a place. Yeah, but not only is it awkward, like, your mm -mm. mama live here, but the second awkwardness is shit, now I'm going to meet your mom a lot earlier than I would exactly. if we lived in another place. Because I'm not ready right? to do all that. Forces things to move faster. Right. Um, yeah, that shit hard. It is. It is. And uh, yo, man, I'm I'm on the scene. I'm trying to be. I'm like you, right? I'm I'm in this space now where I'm trying to be a little more like forceful as far as like being out. Cause like I'm very I'm very passive when it comes to, like just dealing with women. It's just like my natural default. Yeah. Right. I, I come from a place like that's things are much slower. It's the West Coast or Southwest rather, right? Like we move very slow. Whereas out here. Um, everything is heightened, everything moves very fast, um, you know, and I feel like a lot of times I feel like the women are aggressive because the men are aggressive. And you yo, have to, yo, oh, yo, OD yo, what's up, son? You want to be my man or not? <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, ladies. I'm joking. Um, Please do not beat me up. You know. I do not have great health insurance. Yo, and so it's like I know I have to be more assertive. Right, but or you could just be yourself and find who falls in line with that. Who rocks with that? But but it's like if you're gonna be the assertive guy and that's not like your mm -hmm. steez, like they're always gonna expect you to be that guy. And if that's not your but shit. but I'm okay. I'm okay being that in part, right? Okay. Like it's not me in like my totality, but like I'm okay making that assertion. Like you know what I mean? Like I can I can make that move, <laughs> but I also know like I have. He's laughing because I was mimicking <laughs> you. You were. But I also have to, I have to leave the house. 
right? Like, yeah, like, <laughs> like, like, that's where it starts. Like, you know, you like, gotta go summer do in Brooklyn shit. if you're not leaving the house. Yo, summer in Brooklyn. Hey, hey, let me tell you, right? So, my cousin got married a couple weeks ago now. I caught the garter. Oh, all right, pressure. I'm gonna take it up a notch. My granny, she. <laughs> Yo, she leans over. She hits you with the, she, I don't got much. To yeah. <laughs> Yo, she was like, 2018 is your year, baby. It's oh like, Granny. I mean, look, hey, I'm just saying, I'm trying black to make, old woman magic, I'm trying to make baby, it, no one I'm fight. trying to make it happen for her. Yo, yo, I'm trying to make it happen for her. Black old woman magic, they be knowing things. They do. They do. Shoot, now I know I got to keep my eyes peeled. Hey, hey, you know what I'm saying? You know, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't really know how I feel about blind dates yet, but, uh, you know. All the dates are blind. <laughs> Even if you've done seen them before, it's still a blind date. Because That's the real. person who you are when you're in a friendship with somebody right. is different than the person you are in a relationship. Right, because one, you know, your representative shows up. and Yeah, you know. don't, not, more than that, That's it's real. like, I, the way somebody acts with you when they want to, like, be yours is different than the way somebody acts with you when. They just, they just homies, the homies. Yeah, when they kicking it. You know that's real. That's real, and I and I've I've, I've never looked so at it that way. So all the dates are blind. Okay. Stop cutting off your avenues, boy. All the dates are blind. So I'm gonna wrap it up. Yeah. All right. Um, one, once again, I like to say thank you for coming. He Dudes, oversold me entirely. Come, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I think I think you're an amazing guest. I think you're an amazing person. I think you're like I said, a firecracker of a woman, and I mean that with the highest respect and love. Um, you know, you command authority. You know, what you're doing is dope. And, you know, if I'm able to um, shed a little bit of light on what you're doing out in the streets, both, um, you know, professionally, creatively, yo, man, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be able to do that. I'm going to be at that open mic. All right, come through. I'm bringing tomatoes. Come, I'm kidding. <laughs> come through, come through. Um, well, I, I just do want to say this. Um, if you do know people who live in the city and are in, in the city that you're at when you're listening to this who are not documented. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not necessary to ask them. Just give them the information that cops are not allowed to come into their house without a warrant. Um, the rights are the rights. They're written mm-hmm. in the Constitution. Um, advise people to protect themselves, to come mm-hmm. up with plans, to take care of their children, to take care of their families and their stuff if in the event they were to be deported. Mm-hmm. Um, also, stop talking to cops. Stop giving them statements when you're being arrested. That's, that's really just, you know, drink water, stop say giving, less. Stop, say, say less. less. Say less. Drink water, say less, you know, meditate. That, that's where I am right now. All right, yeah. I like that. <laughs> so as we wrap, so I like to do kind of like end with like a word association game. Cool. All right, so I'm, I'm going to say a few things and kind of whatever comes to mind, you can expound on. Okay. All right? Okay, so the first one is when I say baby shark. Pitbull in a suit. So this thing about baby shark, because I've seen you say this, I've seen you use this this um, multiple times on in person, <laughs> on social media, um, this euphemism. What does this mean? Like, what does this mean? For you get out the water the sharks are here um it's so black law students like when i was in law school that was kind of like our thing we mm-hmm. were 
I'm trying to be, you know, great white sharks in, a, in the future. Mm-hmm. But right now we're some baby sharks, but you still got to be careful of these teeth. Yeah. You know? You can um, still get it. Yeah. In essence, we're out here. Okay. That's what's <laughs> up. That's dope. And lastly, Scott M. Fiore. Ah. Seventh grade. No, 10th grade. That was my 10th grade American history teacher, mm-hmm. Mr. Fiore. Yeah. I wrote him a letter, like an email a few years ago, letting him know that he had a gigantic impact on my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and he responded, which was dope. Yeah. I, I've had a lot of teachers have a big impact on my life. Yeah. But Mr. Fiore was one of the originators that was just like, you should be a lawyer. Yeah. And that was dope. It helped to shape. Yeah. Nobody beats Ms. Zedek. Um, fifth grade teacher, Holocaust survivor, the first wow. woman who ever told me I was going to college wow. when I didn't even know what the fuck college was. And she said it like it was an afterthought, like, of yeah. course you're going to college. And I didn't know anybody who had ever gone to college before. And she just said I was going to make it like she knew it. So shout out to you wherever you are. Love and appreciate you. I am the woman I am partly because of those offhand words that you said to me all of those years ago. So, yeah. All right. That's what's up. Thank you. Yeah. And in the words of the one of my favorite Haitian artists, Sac pas content, un paquet. Hey. <laughs> those who ain't happy can get the fuck out. Yo, where can people <laughs> find you? Um, I am at Eve the Poet, spelled Y-V-E-T-H-E, Poet. Um, I be talking on the Twitters and shit. You be on that. I be on the Twitters. All right. Yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> I appreciate y'all. This was dope. You had fun? Yeah, I had a good time. All right. If anybody listens to this entire thing, please, <laughs> you know, hit me up. We'll go grab coffee in Brooklyn. Yo. <laughs> and, uh, yo, and that's it, man. So that's, that's a wrap. Um, yo, episode two in the books for those who know that the music plays. We're gonna say uh, shout out to uh, Jonathan F. Sway Jury on the outro, and uh, and it's like that, y'all. Peace. <laughs>